Motorcycles and Misfits coming at you from the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Gotcha! Ah! <laughs> sunny, what the hell is Co-opting. Co-opting. Sorry. <laughs> Good Lord. Hey, everyone. Hey, tonight, you're in the train room slash motorcycle room slash studio. Yeah. We've got Cat P. Hey. Meow. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> now, Cat P. Douglas is going to show you how it's done. Sitting next to that, we've got Douglas. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> back again, since I said I was back again last time, which was yeah. a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Coming around the bend, we've got Bex. I say aloha. Okay. Aloha. And you got me, Liza. <laughs> um, working the board tonight, we've got Bagel. Hey, hey. Coming at you with a solid two to ten. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Ratio. Running to non-running. Mm. Oh. <laughs> That's oh. twice as high as usual. Yes, it is. <laughs> That's one-fifth. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm getting there. Thank you. Knocked in math again. On the classy girl couch tonight, <gasps> we've got Miss Emma. Hello, darlings. I've, I've been elevated in status. I'm now classy girl. And, you know, Bagel is looking extraordinarily handsome this evening. I don't, don't want to mislead you. I was referring to the couch. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> also, on the classy girl couch tonight, we've got Michael. You know, knowing that it's actually the couch that's classy and not me relieves a ton of weight from my shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> Takes that's the stress side off. Wearing his blue Power Ranger suit tonight, we've got Henry. <laughs> Hello. Turn <laughs> around the van from that, we've got Knock. What's up, suckers? <laughs> and then uh, in the caboose tonight, we've got Isaac. I've really missed this place, but I didn't know what I was missing until I saw Michael's eyelashes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Perfect. Oh, stop. Wow. I got an eye roll and a face palm. I'm proud of myself. <laughs> wow. Perfect. So we've had, uh, we had a big day, a lot of stuff going on, mm-hmm. a lot of getting things done. Mm-hmm. I think there's still things being done out there. Mm-hmm. But we had we had a, a big event, and um, I want to let Miss Emma take this part. We're going to do a short Emma's history hole. And normally, when I do my history holes, I go back twenty years, thirty years, dark, forty years. Dark places. Dark places. <laughs> Three years ago, I was the curator at a very small museum in Pacific Grove. Um, Liza and the gang came over for a visit and invited me to be a guest on the show. And I was scratching my head because I've said this many times that when you when you first meet the misfits on mass, they can be a little bit intimidating. And so I thought checks of the mail. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I thought I'd like to talk <clears throat> about something. So um, I look back at people that I very much admired and I wanted to talk about a couple of women who were pivotal absolutely pivotal in the history of motorcycling and thankfully both Brits yeah I remember this so I talked about that and I piqued some interest and then we move on 18 months and now I'm an established member of the Misfits and we did a Skype interview 
which was again very successful and that was quite a good rated show wasn't it and we had a lot of feedback from it yeah and we move on to today yes and i am absolutely thrilled to introduce the first english woman to ride a motorcycle solo around the globe before gps before cell phones before technology a staggering achievement and she's probably got the most jet lag of any person i have ever seen miss elspeth beard welcome to our show she's with us here in the studio say hi elspeth (laughs) (laughs) hello Miss um, I wanted to thank you because I remember um, you said I want to tell you about some some women who've done some amazing things and it was Beryl Swain and Elspeth Beard and you know sadly Beryl's no longer with us right um, and her career with motorcycling was quite short um, she was very competitive in the Isle of Man they actually changed the rules to exclude her and it became Mm -hmm. for the class she was riding in it became a minimum weight and it was very very hard for women to actually compete because they couldn't attain the minimum weight and that's how they excluded her what a bunch of dicks um yeah absolutely but um you know she she was very happily married and she had a career i think at a local supermarket chain as a manager um but of course elspeth is very much still with us and has never left motorcycling and is still a very very avid motorcyclist and i wanted to add um Anytime you're like the first at something or have done something <laughs> the greatest, there's always somebody who can argue the point. And and it cannot be argued that she is the first British woman, but it's also, I give her the credit, I say she is the first woman to ride solo around the world. And there's different exceptions to that, but I just want to say in my book, I give her that full credit. Oh, absolutely. Um and the achievement you can't overstate the achievement of doing this without handheld navigation right and uh for those who haven't heard the elspeth beard interview uh that was um episode 183 and uh, jim emma and i had the opportunity to do a a skype interview with her (laughs) (laughs) it was the first skype interview i'd ever done oh wow we're breaking new ground here every day and um you actually conducted it from the bedroom of your house, Elspeth, well, didn't you? I, I wanted to be comfortable. <laughs> and it, comfortable you were, but it was an amazing interview. Um, we still get mail about that interview, and I'm sure we'll get more because a lot of people are, are number one going to revisit it. But since we did that interview, well, I mean, what are we up to now? Two, three. <laughs> 230 or something 240 uh, 240 something 240 something so we've gained so many more listeners so go back revisit that episode still haven't seen a paycheck from any of this all right but emma we're gonna tell (laughs) the story though of the oh absolutely (laughs) so for those who weren't there it was quite funny and we were we were trying to be quite polite but we were getting a bit of a giggle because elsmith got comfortable and said do you mind if i set the phone down it's like no not at all (laughs) So she set the phone down on her lap, was lying in bed, but what we kept seeing was her hands. She kept gesturing. So we're looking at the (laughs) ceiling in Skype, and we kept seeing these hands as she's talking. She's very, she gestures a lot when she talks and explains. (laughs) (laughs) And it was 
was so brilliant. We got such a laugh out of it. I had no idea. <laughs> the time change was quite a, a, a difference. W- wasn't it early um, in the morning? We, we did it in the morning, so it was, uh, it was at evening. night for her. Uh, yeah, right. Night, yeah. yeah. Um, and it, I want to point out, Elspeth is desperately tired. Um, how long is your, you're doing a complete West Coast book tour right now? Um, you wrote a book, you're signing it. So how long are you in America for? Uh, well, I started, I arrived on the 1st of May, and I was at Flock to the Rock uh, for three days. And, uh, and then I did a couple of other events up in Seattle, and then I came down to San Francisco, did two events in San Francisco, and now I am here. And from here, I'm going on to Los Angeles to do a talk there at the BMW place, and then I am driving over to Flagstaff to uh, Overland Expo for three days. And wow. then I drive to Phoenix, and I fly home. So wow, that's and a tour. To mm-hmm. everyone on the East Coast uh, who wanted to get your book signed, we just wanted to say Neener, Neener, Neener. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, because um, I think quite a few people have asked me to come over to the East Coast. Uh, so we're going to try and organize something at the end of the year. So yeah. Awesome. So when we talked to you, you had um, <coughs> been writing your book and. Bagel, why does it sound like I am far away? Oh, sorry about that. Thank you. Well, uh, you you probably didn't have a very good breakfast Thank this morning, you, did you, Liza? Um, well, yeah. Last we talked to you, you had <laughs> written your book, uh, but it wasn't out yet. And then, um, as soon as it came out, I ordered it, got it, and it's an excellent read. And um, then I just remember when uh, I invited you to come on the Pakistan trip, and I just had all these questions. And uh, it was great to be able to get some answers and follow up on that. And I, I love how, as you're doing these speaking engagements, uh, people are asking you these questions. You're like, well, you're just going to have to read the book. Yeah. <laughs> it's much, much easier. Just <laughs> Such a tease. Well, the thing is, it's just a very complicated story, and the questions are not um, always easy to answer quickly and easily. So you got to read the book. And for those who haven't read the book, um, it basically covers your your childhood, uh, you know, your family life. Yeah, it basically, yeah, my, how I started riding bikes, how I ended up riding my bike around the world, uh, and then the whole trip. And then there's the sort of last chapter, which is the sort of aftermath, <laughs> which is what happened at the end, and it sort of brings the book right up to date to 2016 which is when I finished so all the people that I mention in the book you you, you sort of find out what happened to them and you also I also sort of explain what the trip uh, gave me what I learned about myself from the trip and how that helped me uh, in other parts of my life in my work and everything else that I've done um because you you have been extraordinary extraordinarily successful in your life, haven't you? You've you've maintained. You're a very renowned architect, I know, and your your home is an absolute showpiece. Yeah, I've been. Yeah, I've. I think I've. I think it's a you know a combination of really hard work. I've always worked incredibly hard, um, but I've had a lot of luck as well. Um, but I think in life, if you don't, uh, and I've taken risks uh, in life as well and I think if you don't take the risks uh, you don't get the reward then you don't get the reward so right. I think it, it's a bit 
bit of everything. It's luck, work, you know, really working hard and being, you know, prepared to take the risks. But, you know, for me, as I look through your book, I mean, it's a compelling story. And any time there's an autobiographical story and it's accompanied with pictures, I always look for the picture. <laughs> and... Everybody knows that very iconic picture of you You're sitting in front beautiful. of the garages Thank you. after you finished your trip. And you can just see that fierce determination, that stubbornness on your face. You look like a very, very different woman to the one who actually left. Left. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's an, an incredible comparison. But the, that isn't the prize photograph in the book. Though I do appreciate the, the before when she's grinning ear to ear. I know. Whether it's like... That's the before. And then and the then after. Afterwards, like, you've seen things. The prize... <laughs> changes a man. And they weren't all good. <laughs> the prize picture for me in the whole book. And go some way to explain who you are and what you are and why you are is that picture of you with your dad mm. and i mean this in the in with the highest respect and the most affection your dad i would say is a true british eccentric he was yeah mm. he um, was a real one off either you know they didn't <laughs> they didn't make they didn't make any other like him wow. ever right. and they never will he was he was an extraordinary quite extraordinary man nice and he was completely he just lived in his own world he didn't he didn't care less what anybody thought of him he wore what he wanted he said what he wanted he did what he wanted and i really admired him for sounds that sounds like someone i know yeah <laughs> so I know that yours is an interesting case and, and part of the, the story that's fascinating is that you you did this trip without any fanfare or anyone seeming to care or believe that you could do it. You just did it. It was your own personal journey. Came back, put everything away because it had been established. Nobody really cared. Um, and what, 30 years later? Yeah, it was yeah 2008, I think. Some somebody started caring. Well, 2008, somebody at BMW asked a friend of mine to write a short uh, article, and that went on the internet. And that was the very, very first time that the uh, photograph of me when I came back from my trip actually was out. It was literally the first time anybody had right. seen it, apart right. from me. Wow! Um, and and then it was the f uh, so so over the next kind of four or five years, the, uh, this, the this this picture was kind of blogged and shared and sent all all around the internet. Um, and oh, the one that I'm wearing on my shirt. Yeah, my bootleg oh, shirt. Oh, I want that. <laughs> you know what? I, that's the thing. One you, of the you terms that you search for on the internet is women motorcycles, and that like that's like the first four or five photos. Right. Wow. And that thing just like went viral when it first came out. I know. It just day. there's something about it yeah. that sort of captured people's imagination. Totally. I've whatever. Yeah. And well, so much so that uh, didn't somebody find some of these being sold in a boutique somewhere? <laughs> yep. Yep. There was a somebody sent me a photograph of, from a clothing shop up in Edinburgh where they had pinched the photograph, mm -hmm. put it on a t-shirt and they were selling it all over Europe. Wow. So oh I, I sued them and I won. So nice. <laughs> well, of course you won. It's you. Did you I know, but I tell well? you what, they, 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 they actually said, no, that's not you. No, you didn't take the picture. No, you don't really? have Oh, the that's cheeky. 
Yeah. You know, and, I, and I had to fight them. Wow. I, and anyway, I won. And so. she, she told that story, and that's what gave me the idea to make my own. And I just, it's, as, long as, as long as you don't sell I it, feel you're like okay. you're missing the point. Um, but I remember, and I, I mentioned this to, uh, to Elspeth, and you were actually quite surprised by this, but I remember back in 85, and I, it was a long, long time ago, but there was a two-line thing in a very obscure motorcycle publication, a British woman finishes around the world trip and it really was that and I don't know why it's stuck in my head it, they might not have even mentioned your name and the only th reason it popped I remembered it is I remember it was an R60 and it might it might have been something to do more with the bike than you but there was so <laughs> probably that sounds about right but there was so little interest back then in what you did I think there was even a negative interest as far as you know, you're introducing your idea and how the response. I was. think it was almost too much for the. I mean, I don't know what the press was like here for women in the early 80s, but. Women ride motorcycles? What? Yeah, but I think it was almost too much for the British press to actually admit that a woman had ridden right. around the world mm -hmm. on a motorbike, so it was yeah. almost easy just to pretend it hadn't happened mm -hmm. and that's the, that's the sort of attitude that I felt that I got was that, that no, 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 no we can't <laughs> we can't publish that story, so mm -hmm. it was very, and so, I, well, whatever, you know so. Wow. so you started getting all this interest, you started getting people like us hitting you up, say, hey, would you do an interview, and it's kind of snowballed and then the book came out, <coughs> and you've just continue to get more and more attention and have, uh, I'm sorry to say it, but you've become an icon oh, in women motorcycling. Rubbish. Well, no, <laughs> it's true. Rubbish. And, and, you know, uh, we were talking uh, earlier about it. Um, why? Why now? And I think it's because society's ready for it now. <clears throat> and they're interested in it and they're going back in history and discovering a lot of these accomplished women like right. well i i just made a little list <coughs> of women who have been involved with motorcycles specifically but i've also included a couple of names of women who were involved with motorsports so we'll go back to the second world war i've done a history hold on a tilly Schilling, the extraordinary yeah. woman hmm. scientist engineer designed a part <coughs> for the supermarine spitfire so it didn't stall when it was involved in dogfights with messerschmitts in the second world war nice till his orifice <laughs> she rode a manx norton when she was being courted by her husband one of the prerequisites was he had to be able to lap Brooklyn's at over 100 miles an hour before she <laughs> considered him worthy. <laughs> oh, wow. So what? He had to lap Brooklyn's racing circuit at 100 miles an hour before she would consider him worthy that, to date her. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so I, I asked Emma to <laughs> compile this list because, yeah, it is a time in history now where people right. are ready and they're and interested. We're celebrating. So, Emma. This is way before Tinder. Read off this like list. If, if you're interested right. in finding other icons in motorcycling who fortunately Elsbeth is still around right to to 
to reap some of this now. So obviously, but just read these names off. Tilly Schilling is long gone. Let's revisit Beryl Swain. Beryl Swain, around the time I was born, so that's 60, 61, 62 when I was born, was actually competitive in the lightweight class of the Isle of Man. Bessie Stringfield was yeah. an oh, even yeah. more extraordinary story. In 1920s America, at the height of racism in America, here is a young black woman who rides an Indian across the country. Mm -hmm. An extraordinary achievement. Um, we'll go into motor racing. Pat Moss, she was the sister of Sterling Moss. Mm. Incredibly competitive in rallying. Absolutely fearless. She drove an Austin Healey 3000, a big, powerful car. She was a very small woman. Used to manhandle this thing over Alpine passes. Nice. But virtually unbeatable. We have, um, going up forward to the 70s, Le Mans 24-hour racer, Davina Galitza. An extremely competitive sports car racer. She was driving big Porsches with nearly a 1,000 horsepower. And then... If we get into Hollywood, now Hollywood's always had an interesting um, relationship with motorcycles. And Margaret has had a lifelong love affair with Triumphs and has been quite competitive. I saw an article the other day on um, the International Six Days Trial. And I thought I recognised a name in there, and it was none other than Lauren Bacall. Hmm actually competed way back in the 1940s so wow. there is a long history of women being involved with motorsports and i just wanted to point out there's <clears throat> there's been women doing amazing things and not getting the credit and so elsbeth i think we're just at this time that's why you're still around and you're still riding and it's the right time. So what I wanted to ask you is, how are you handling your newfound fame? <laughs> Reluctantly, I'm guessing. Reluctantly. <laughs> I don't know. I still, I still can't kind of quite understand it all, to be honest with you. I mean, it's great. It's really nice. And it's nice that I seem to inspire people, especially women, to, you know, to get out there and ride bikes and travel and see the world and that's great it's you know and you know for something that I did 35 years ago which at the time was a very personal you know thing that I did for it to come back and have this impact 35 years later I just think it's just really you know extraordinary really and but it's you know it's great but it just shows how life sort of I don't know just all these weird things happen sometimes in life and things come back to mm. right you know. and 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 <clears throat> just to put myself in your shoes it's that must be very hard to deal with something you did 35 years ago packed away and you didn't know you were the first first woman to ride solo around the world i didn't know until 2009 Right. Wow. I had absolutely no idea. And even now, I was, and I was actually the youngest person to ride around the world uh, for about 20, no, for nearly 30 years, but yeah. I, didn't, hmm. I didn't even know about it. But I'm actually the youngest woman, I think, to ride around the world. So, so um, I, I vividly remember asking you this question. When, when I decided I wanted to talk with you as a guest on The Misfits before I became one, <laughs> um, I sent you a couple of emails. And, of course, I had to find you through uh, Beard & Associates, your, your company. 
and you were gracious enough to answer me. And I said, you know, did, did you realize at the time you were the first? And you said, absolutely not. And that wasn't my motivation. It was a very, very personal journey. Um, but you I, see, it's different. I mean, I, I, I sort of feel now that a lot of people, you know, they tend to or they, you know, they do trips and they've either got to be the, you know, the youngest, the oldest, the fastest, do do X number of countries more than the next person, right. or do the more number of miles. And that's not really what it's all about. It should be just about your your personal um journey about finding out about yourself and the world and and actually seeing the world and not Mm. sort of getting too hung up on whether you know you're doing some some kind of record because it's really just not important and just so you guys know you know yeah she was a badass back in the day right but you know she's still riding and you know came on the pakistan trip and was you know riding with everyone and and didn't even uh need any special treatment or anything but you want to know how badass she is today how badass is she uh elseth <laughs> what new hobby have you been taking up what Flying? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Well, no, I actually got my pilot's license. Yay! Wow. Oh, no, it gets better. Hold um, on. Yeah. I got my pilot's license in 1991, and I flew uh, I flew around Australia, flew bits of Africa. I came over to America. I did my, my um, seaplane uh, rating when I was in Florida. Seaplane as an ocean SE? Yes. Oh, yes, wow. Yes, which is really great, actually. That's that, cool. was, that was one of the best, most fun flying I've ever done. It was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And then I got a bit bored of doing that, so now I'm learning to fly a helicopter. Oh, oh yeah. rotary wings are dope! <laughs> wow, nice. And <clears throat> helicopters, there's that extra thing down by the seat, the cyclic stick, and mm-hmm. they are quite hard to master, aren't they? Yeah, mm-hmm. they are. What's that yeah. do? The well, cyclic stick pretty much does everything. Yeah. <laughs> it goes yeah. back and forth and rotates this and tilts that. Yeah, and it's got a twist grip. Yeah. 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 Uh, but you're also building a new future uh, that in- involves motorcycling in Italy. Well, I bought this ruin in Italy about a year, <laughs> really? about two and a half years ago. Don't ask me why. Have you guys just, that's, a, that's, just, a, that's a normal sentence. Have, have you seen the movie Under the Tuscan Sun? Yes. No. This is very much it's a like, bit like that. that yeah. <laughs> I was just driving past it and I just saw it and it had a for sale sign on it and I thought that's got my name on it. I, <laughs> I have got to own that and three weeks later I owned it. Wow. So, and I spent the next I spent the last two and a half years. Uh, battling my way with Italian builders trying to get the place. <laughs> oh, uh, and I haven't even lived in it yet or stayed in it. I've got no water, no electricity, no drainage, wow. nothing. And I've been working on it for two and a half years. But anyway, eventually I'm hoping to uh, run sort of motorbike tours from there. So oh, little, nice. little, just, just, just small, uh, you know, tours from there. So because it's right up in the mountains in Italy, mm, so it's beautiful so roads. You, you say ruin? Is it stone or is it like a kind it's, of a it's country a stone? House? You know, it's stone oh villa, but it's got a sort of chapel attached to it. Mm. How many floors? Chapel. It's well, it's it's three floors, but so, it's 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 big. It'll sleep kind of sixteen people. How close? Wow. Are, how close are we talking to a castle I guess no, that's what I really want to know. know. Is it, did you buy a castle? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> oh, no. Her home is still, almost like one. Just put a There's motor a tower. Oh, so, I'm familiar with her home. I've, I've so, seen the articles. Elsbeth, if you're in the yard and you'd like to make some tea, 
how many how many feet do you have to climb to go boil some water in your house right now? Eighty-nine. <laughs> what? Wow. Oh. oh, you're you're not the ruin. The no in the water, water tower. tower. So um yes, eighty-nine feet. Wow. Upstairs. I yes. would like to talk about two consistencies in your life because there are two things that have really stayed with you all your adult life and the one is the bmw that you rode around the world you're still in possession mm-hmm. of that bike yeah i've still got her and i still ride her right yes. and i'm guessing you will never get rid of her i could never part with her she's part of me how many miles does she have on her now uh well the clock's got about 100 and i don't know 108 hundred nine thousand. but nice. it's it but the speedo broke about mm-hmm. three or four times so there's, about, <laughs> there's a whole load of mileage that never got recorded so, so. so did bmw want to buy that off you or use that bike as a showcase <laughs> item at all or uh, What's, what's their story with She's her? not going to sell that. Oh, I would I mean, never no. sell that. I might, sure. I might leave it to to a museum or something. But um, I mean, because unfortunately, the, my aluminium uh, panniers, which I made in Sydney, I kind of threw threw them away. So <laughs> I, um, I know it's a bit of a shame, really. But it was because nobody wanted to know anything about my my journey, and right. I was uh, and I was moving out of the house in London, and I had these bloody panniers that had been up in the loft for <laughs> for like. 10 years and I just looked at them and I thought well I'm never going to use yeah. them again no one's interested in what I've done so I just I just threw them out yeah, they that's, are. So, that's so non-sentimental are you not sentimental about like a lot of stuff is that a theme well I, I mean it, I think at the time I was probably I don't know I just uh, well at the time I had a lot going on because my father had just died and mm. I'd just given birth to my son and uh, we had to move out of my family home in London and I had to move into the tower which was still a building site and had no water or electricity <laughs> with a with a six week old baby so wow. again normal I kind of things. I yeah. kind of had other uh, I had slightly more important things to yeah. deal with yes. than trying to save a, some panniers on a trip that I did right. t- 10 years your, earlier your panniers yeah. yeah they don't look very convenient as moving boxes they're right. kind of oddly shaped <laughs> but, but it just it, it sounds like you don't get mired in the past too easily you're, you're very willing to move on to the next thing I don't know There's I am present. sort of yes I mean there's certain things like like my bike i'd never i'd right. obviously i'd never part with it but that's going to that. dovetail into the next consi- the next consistency in your life is the water tower and before we go any further i mean i've often berated other misfits for going off the topic of motorcycling and say look guys we're a motorcycling <laughs> podcast this isn't please stay on motor. topic but this is the water tower is so much a part of you and who you are it is related it is related so you you bought the water tower at a very very young age didn't you i bought the water tower in 1988 so i was about 20 yeah 28 and i was still at architectural college so i hadn't actually finished or qualified and, yet and i just want to paint a picture because uh, here a water tower is a little bit different this is like a <clears throat> turret without the castle this is like a Stone castle silo. to you isaac and it is how tall it's a 130 foot high octagonal brick victorian water tower yes wow. it's like a it's it's like a what do you call it a, uh, a lighthouse it's like silo. a big lighthouse <clears throat> with yeah. a bulbous tip right yeah and that is still in your life, isn't it? Probably yeah, shouldn't yeah. Have described it yeah, that yeah. way. No, I st- <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think, and where Emma's going with this, I think we can agree, though. 
Had you not traveled around the world, would you have been prepared to take on such a big task right. as this? Exactly. I don't. Yeah, because when the tower was for sale, you had to buy it at auction. So you had to, and it, it had no planning or listed building consent. So you had to take mm. it, you know, a bit of a risk. And hmm. um, when I phoned up the local council, and they basically said that they couldn't see because then no water towers had ever been converted into a house and they basically said we can't see any way that you will be able to get around all the rules and regulations and the fire and means of escape and overlooking issues and it was Mm. just like problem after problem after problem and uh and they just said we don't see how we'll ever ever be able to give you the permissions that you need um but anyway, I kind of ignored that. And I red just red thought, rag to a <laughs> And I just thought, well, you know, there's no problem that can't be solved, and I will just deal with them. So I bought it at auction, and um, and then I spent the next year and a half um, fighting the local council, and they <laughs> and they turned me down, and then I had to go to appeal, and I won on appeal. So nice. finally, finally, I got there. And, had you were you an architecture graduate at this point, or I, did you like did you knock on a school and were just like I'm going to buy a water tower? I think when I bought the water tower, I hadn't actually finished my training. Oh my god! But because that, it takes a, a lot of training. A, in, yeah, in in the UK, it's like a seven year course. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I think by the time I'd got my I'd won the appeal, I think I had finished my my training. I think I can't actually remember. So uh, what you went on your trip after you uh, went to school, finished school, yes? or Well, I did my first three years architecture because uh-huh. in the UK it's like a seven-year course. So you do three years uh, in in uni, then you do a year's um, working out, then you do another two years uh, back in uh, studying again, and then you do another year's work experience. So mm. it's a seven-year course. So okay. I'd done my first three years. Uh, and I got my BA, and then I and then my work experience. I ended up doing it in um, Sydney because I, when I got to Sydney, I ran out of money, so I kind of <laughs> did that. And then I came back, and then I did my final two years, and then I did my final year's work experience and took my final exams. Okay, that was a long haul. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, just to paint a picture to um, how difficult times were. Um, there, you know, we, we established there was no GPS. You're traveling by maps or by <laughs> by telephone poles, <clears throat> and uh, you got sick many times and were in uh, injured in crashes. Um, but I think talking to you, one of the hardest parts of the trip were dealing with countries. Um, rules and and paperwork and uh, I, I don't know if politics come in but all of that you know would you agree that was probably just the hardest part of the trip I think it was the most frus- frustrating part mm-hmm. of the trip I think because a lot of the the bureaucracy just mm. was completely illogical and you know I don't mind um, you know, following a, a you know rules and a, if 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 they make sense, but they just didn't make any sense at all. Mm. Um, I mean, they just I mean, like in India, they just made up you know ridiculous rules for that just didn't make any sense at all, and 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 so that did become very very frustrating. And I think if you you know you've got to add it on to the fact that by that time I'd been like on on the road for nearly 
two years you know I was ill it was hot it was you know you, you you're just tired and and I think when you're tired you're you know you find it uh, much more you know much harder to sort of deal with all those can can issues. we talk about something just briefly and Liza actually said it to me and I I couldn't get my head around it when asked if you wanted to chuck it in you told Liza I can't because I'm inextricably linked with my motorbike can you try and explain that chuck it in like stop riding yeah like I'm done I want to go home but you couldn't because you were linked to your bike and this is during the ride yes okay gotcha yeah so I mean basically it was very in those days when you traveled uh, with with any kind of if it was a bike or a car you they actually because they didn't want you to sell Mm -hmm. the vehicle in any of the countries so because countries like India had a policy where they didn't import anything everything in India was made in India Mm -hmm. so you couldn't sell your bike so they used to basically write your bike in your passport so you couldn't exit the country without your your bike so if i was in an accident or if if i was ill i couldn't just say oh i think i'm going to fly home now and i'm going to get better and then i'm going to come back and rejoin my bike that was not an option the only way i was going to get home was to sit on my bike and ride it home mm. so i didn't have that sort of thing in in the in the you know in my mind that i had this this sort of escape route uh that i could just at any time decide i've had enough i'm going home i'm ill i'm tired i'm you know whatever i did not have that option you know i had to if i if i had an accident i just had to sit in a hospital for for months and months if you know and and get better i had to fix my bike i had to get back on it and i had to carry on you know riding it and i think that's a very different kind of trip Mm. to the way that people travel now oh yeah it's completely different Mm. if you feel that that you've got that sort of you know get out of jail free card the whole time you know it's sort of it just sort of takes I don't know I don't want to undermine Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman's trip at all because it is an achievement <laughs> but we, we can totally make fun of them let's make fun of older eyes <laughs> they, had, they had an entire crew they are but nowhere in danger give me a break set, when you talk about setting up an office with a complete office staff in order to plan the trip and you of course had a complete office staff to help plan your trip oh absolutely do you still have the tools that Snap-on donated to you Oh, yes. yeah. you know, honestly, no. I'm. I will give them credit. Doing what they did is hard, and I don't know many of us in this the room task who could sure. do that. Yeah, why not? But what Elsbeth did was impossible. And just to highlight one of my favorite stories from your trip, and I, I, I think you, ta- you told it before, but just so you guys know what kind of cleverness it takes to continue a trip, Elsbeth, can you tell us how you got out of India? because mm. <laughs> <laughs> this, oh, is, this was clever that was a very long story well okay so where do I start um, so when I first entered India um, 
anybody with a British passport was automatically stamped in 48 years. So we were allowed to stay in India for 48 years. Where that came wow. from, I have absolutely no idea. Whether it was in 1948 that India was given its independence, I don't know. But anyway, so I... And I entered India, and then I went up, and, and then I left India, went in, into into Kathmandu up in Nepal and then I re-entered India and when I re-entered India there had been all the, there'd, there'd been some um, unrest in the Punjab state and the um, and so they changed the rules so anybody anybody in India with a British passport suddenly you weren't allowed to stay there for 48 years you were only allowed to stay there for six months mm. and they but you also had to register with a local um, station police station and um so anyway, so when I when I and I'd met this Dutch guy called Robert in India, and we travelled through the Punjab to go up to Kashmir and Leh and Ladakh. And when we were coming back down, the unrest in the Punjab. So if explained, the only road border from India into Pakistan was through the Punjab state. So although the border was open the Punjab state was closed to Westerners, so you couldn't actually get to the border. So anyway, so we were coming down uh, from the north and I decided, oh, I said to Robert, let's just try and go to the border. So we so we rode into the Punjab state and there were all these roadblocks and soldiers and people waving us down and we just waved back and smiled and <laughs> pretended that we just didn't have a clue what, no, what, the, what no. the problem was. Hi to you Hi, too. Exactly. So we just kind of kept on going and we just did not stop. And we managed to get we managed to get uh, to the border, and we got out of India into no man's land, yeah. and we thought, yeah, we've done it. <laughs> and then these and then all these officials asked for our permit, and we just well, we don't know what you, what you're talking about. Anyway, so then they decided that they would send us all the way back to Delhi through the Punjab to get a permit to enter the Punjab. <laughs> oh no, that's Indian logic for you. <laughs> to be clear, India in inherited bureaucracy and they, and did. they may have enhanced it i know they may have enhanced it slightly but they did not invent it they did not invent it that was one of the worst things we left them yeah they seemed to take it and and bureaucracy and the partition it was britain's two final like big oh, yes. middle fingers i know, to I know they I just know. refined it anyway so so That's then we awesome. went back to delhi and then we didn't get a permit so we went back through the punjab again through all the roadblocks managed to get to the border again and then it was a complete accident that they that I I handed them my passport and my registration thing fell out of the passport and the official picked it up and he thought it was my permit. He went, oh, permit, permit. So anyway, I didn't, I, <laughs> oh, no I didn't, you know, I didn't say anything. Well, they hadn't seen one before. They had right? never. They seen don't. Him. They didn't exist. Like we, if you play dumb in the states, you just get beat to death by the cops. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work that way, but, I guess. Wait, yeah. So that's awesome. Did you go? You you went uh, from from I'm going to mix this up from Britain to America and, yes. and yeah. west Started so you in went New York. east to west I went oh, okay this is making more mm -hmm. sense now. I right. headed west I got um, you yeah now you brought up Robert can we talk a little bit about Robert um, there's a picture of him in the book when he um he was very, very sick towards the end, wasn't he? Well, I had hepatitis in yeah. Iran, and yeah. then he kind of probably caught it off me because three weeks later he got hepatitis oh, when, when we were in Turkey. Wow. I didn't think that went away. 
It doesn't really. Oh, okay. Hmm. And you know, just to remind you, look you pretty too, good for someone who got hepatitis. I mean, we all ago. we all know when you travel, <laughs> drink bottled water. That didn't exist back then. Yeah. It was yeah. really hard to stay healthy when traveling in a lot of parts of this world. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was really difficult. Did you ever get chased by monkeys? No. They have scary teeth. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> I wanted to talk a little bit, though, about um, the bike and, and wrenching. Because, you know, I always say, I think it's it, everyone benefits learning their bike oh, sure. better and being able to wrench on it. Elspeth, would you say that you know your bike pretty well? I know every single nut and bolt on my bike. Yes, nice. you do. Every single one. I've stripped it down completely. The nice. engine, everything, stripped it down completely nice. and rebuilt it. Twice? Uh, I sort of half stripped it down before I left on my trip, uh-huh. so I could kind of learn uh, as much as I could. And then when I got back from my trip, I completely stripped it down. And, and I have to remind you, too, that she did not buy a brand new bike for this trip. Oh, no. How many miles were on the bike when you started when your trip? I, when I left New York at the beginning, it had 45,000 miles on her. <laughs> wow. And she was eight Jeez. years old. Hmm. Yeah. Man. Exactly. That's a lot but of miles in a year. Your description of an R60. Now, if you've never ridden an R60, um, they're quite an interesting bike. It is a full-size bike. Um probably what 40 horsepower it's not a massive amount of horsepower is it it's probably about i think it's 43 actually. yeah um but your description that's important, that's important. yeah it is yeah. your description is perfect because i've spent a little time on an r60 what was it you said it's she's a quiet achiever yeah she is she just does everything well but quietly and um, uh, yeah you know i've I've pretty much, over my riding career, I've ridden everything. And I keep on going back to twins. I like twins. Cause it's pretty good. It's almost like a heartbeat underneath you, and mm-hmm. particularly V-twins or flat twins. Mm. They're so characterful. <clears throat> and it's a real visceral connection you have with your bike. Yep. Because there's this heartbeat going on underneath you. And on the freeway, they're not bellowing. They're not yelling at you. Yep. There's just this purring going on. It's, kind of, it's very relaxing. Kind of loping really along. Yeah, now. you can feel absolutely. the power pulses, and it just you kind of get slowly pushed and it's, along. Especially on a crank, a bike where the crank runs the same direction as yeah. you. They've got this straight-ahead battleship feel about mm-hmm. them. It, it's a very, very good feeling. Yep. Do 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 the BMW? Do the boxers? Do the uh, do the Guzzi lean? Yep. Oh, yeah. when you blip them, yeah, they yeah. try and push you over. Mm. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> well, and, and, and one of the reasons that this bike got you around, though, barely, <laughs> um, you were meticulous about maintaining it. What was your schedule like for maintenance? I, yes, I was almost obsessional, actually, about mm-hmm. l- looking after her. Um, I mean, I changed the oil religiously every 3,000 miles, right. oil mm, filter nice. every other one, and I would change all the, the bevel, the drive shaft, and the gearbox box every third change I did. So, did, really? Were, wow. Were you, were you, did you, how many of these, like, how many oil filters did you have on you? Yeah. Well, I, I bought, I mean, obviously, I bought some, um, I mean, I kind of vaguely worked out the, how many I would need. Um, I bought, um, I bought some in in the UK before I left. I bought some more in 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 the states before I left the states. And then in Australia, I stocked up in Australia, and I think I stocked up in Australia enough to get me home. Dang! Okay. So you're where'd you get oil in your bo- in your cases? You had bike parts. 
Um, a lot of it was bike parts. Dang. Probably the panniers were pretty much bike parts and tools. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. But, the, okay, wow. And then the top box was food and clothes. And then the top box was food right. and clothes, yeah. Here's wow. the beauty of a BMW, or a Guzzi for that amount. Mm. You should never put car oil in a motorbike, except a bike that has a dry clutch. Yep. Mm. yep. Because it's the additives in car oil that will destroy a wet clutch. Now, oh, BMW and a Guzzi and a few other select bikes, the Ducati. oil doesn't affect <laughs> the clutch. So yep. you can actually use any oil so in there. As long as it was modifiers. T- yep. 2050, I put it right. in. And uh, it was fine. Yeah. And so did you just store like spare clutches in your side cases? I had no spare <laughs> clutches. The only the only spare parts I carried were things like uh, spark plugs, HT leads, uh, points, uh, condenser. Uh, oh, this is sounding mainly very like electrical stuff. I didn't. Uh, I carried spare rocker arms. Um, How about tires? I keep forgetting the bike has points. I never. I never carried any spare tires. Where did you get new ones? I. I thought of that. I just had to kind of find out stuff along the way. I managed to... Obviously, America, Australia was okay. Mm-hmm. I managed to find a place in in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia where I could actually buy continental tyres. So I put, <laughs> I put fresh tyres on before I left Malaysia. So you found the factory, basically. Um, no, I, I can't... It was some bike shop. It like, was some bizarre bike shop, but they had to order them in for me specially, and they were there the next day. Oh, wow. Hmm. And um, and so I left there with fresh tyres, and hmm. so I, I arrived in India, and I did I did India, Nepal, Pakistan, Iran, and I got to Turkey on one set of tyres. Oh, and they, wow. were, they, they were down wow. to the canvas. Yeah. Wow. And, and then in Turkey, I got some new tyres. Was it relatively easy to find motor oil, or sometimes you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to use this. Oil was okay. okay. Oil was okay. Petrol was uh, oh, good a gas. Gas. Sorry. You ever yeah. get really bad gas? <laughs> uh, pretty. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it was pretty rubbish. So mm. you know, she struggled a bit. But oh, okay. well, and one of my favorite things about it too, <clears throat> you know, uh, I guess you let it sit for many years, and then you decided to rebuild her again right well when i got back i stripped her down and rebuilt her and i mm. rode her for a few years but i don't know something wasn't quite the sort of same and then i bought the water tower and i got a bit distracted and so i spent seven years building the water tower and then i started up my own practice and so i didn't actually she was off the road for about um i think about 18 years mm. and um and I pulled her out of the garage, and I, I, I obviously I bought a new battery, put new tyres on it, cleaned all the carbs out, put fresh petrol in it, um, and and she actually started about the third press of the bloody electric start. Nice. Wild. She couldn't yeah. say that. You couldn't say Wild. that. And obviously, I changed all the oils and everything before yeah. I started yeah. her. But but um, here, and here's did you do new rings and everything? <laughs> new. Did you put in new like piston rings? No. Like, no, oh no, gosh, no, wow. no, no, no. But here's one of my favorite things. Uh, one of the, the byproducts or, or the, the things left over from her trip. How many different colors of wiring do you have in your entire wiring <laughs> harness right now? Well, when I was in Australia, my bike caught fire, mm. and nice. uh, and I had to and I ended up re- rewiring it with this guy from Wales in the middle <laughs> of the outback, and but he he was a auto electrician and he only had brown and black wire. <laughs> so nice. to this day, my bike from the battery to the whole of the front of the bike is just <laughs> wired in brown and black wire. 
<laughs> so black is ground and brown is everything it, else. Oh, it's a nightmare. <laughs> it's a nightmare. So they're, they're not numbered or anything, right? Just no, black no, and brown. Just no. brown and black. I was going to say, if it makes you feel any better, everything in the army inventory is black wire. So I, I feel your pain. Oh. Well, in in uh, in like airplane wiring, yes. it's all white and numbered, right? right so that exactly. you can see if it's heating up because it'll it'll like burn. You That's, can see. It. I I was going to say I I had a very very dear friend who worked at Dornia and used to um, be on the production line of Dornia's and they have all white wires and it's numbered and everything is numbered yeah. it nu- it's numbered at the component and then it's numbered at the switch I learned that's that like from airplanes mode. Yeah, yeah. The, those yeah. tags fall yeah. off pretty quick in a tank right <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, I had one question because I know you had to do all your own repairs and everything. So when you were in Thailand and famously you crashed, and I think, did it like rip the cylinder off the bike? Well, the cylinder hit uh, a tree, yeah, yeah. So I had Ooh. sort of oil coming out of the base, the base gasket. And, oh, no. Uh, so how do you do a repair like that? Uh, or, or well, I just stripped the cylinder head down. Okay. So, what was the actual damage? Was the cylinder significantly bent off? Well, it was. It would. It, it. It had broken the seal, but the actual base gasket was cracked as well. Okay. Mm. But I just happened to have a spare one, of course. Uh-huh. Ah. So it was just that it moved it enough that the gasket and the seal itself was messed right. up. Yeah. But wow. as far as the actual metal, right. none of it was torked around. No, it was and all the, kind of bent and yeah. It, it, it was bashed up, okay. but it was okay. The pins and were and okay. this was oh, the, wow. the 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 infamous crash where you actually. Ate the victim of the crash, didn't I you? Know, but I didn't know I was eating it. Well, that's okay. <laughs> it was a dog. Read the book. Oh no, I told somebody that story today. Wow. So the the other thing, a story I love hearing, when I said that the bike barely got you home, you you talk about how on return home, how that thing was being held together. With what, what were you saying, like rubber the bands? Three, and, yeah, <laughs> the three most useful things I carried was wire, rubber bands, and insulating tape. And I tell you, I used to, every day, I would have to tie something or stick something or wire something and hold her together. So what, what really kind of things were just barely being held together? Uh, well, it was just irritating things, like mm-hmm. on the R60, the, the like, you know, um, ignition key is on the side of the headlight Mm. and because i had been riding for all those thousands and thousands of miles on really rough roads and i had another key which i think was the key to my padlock it had it it had just come really really loose so Mm. the so the ignition switch inside was really loose so that was all held together with rubber bands (laughs) and wire and of course that would kind of perish or slip again so i'd have to take the headlight off and rewire it so that was a typical i mean nearly all the problems I had with the bike were sort of electrical problems. The engine was nothing. I had no problem with the engine at all. Mm, and I relate to you so strongly right it was, now. It was all electrical. <laughs> all electrical. Um, and it because the bike was, you know, it was old and that's always all, I, I suppose the first thing that starts to pack up is the electrics. And you still have that bike and then you have some other bikes. You, you, I think you have a couple dirt bikes? I've got a yeah, I've got a Beta Alp three fifty and a little Yamaha Sarah two two five and then I've got my sort of everyday bike which is a BMW R eighty GS basic. Well, now hang on, because you started off on a Yamaha all I those did. years ago, little YB hundred. I did, I did. Now Americans know nothing about YB hundreds. Nothing about them. They're wonderful little two strokes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, a little commuter bike. Mm-hmm. Um, not glamorous, 
very much a workhorse. Did it make a cruiser version of that bike? No. No. <laughs> no, it's long before cruiser. That's why we Americans let, don't know about it. Let me tell you about cru- cruisers. weren't even really invented till the late 70s. Right. And they weren't yeah. called cruisers at first. They were, called, they were called LTDs. LTDs? They were LTDs. Okay. Mid-70s, when your little YB100 rolled off the line, it was like... It was just a little commuter bike, wasn't it? Yeah. Lovely little thing. Yeah. Charming little bike. Um, so you, you've gone... Oops, I'm sorry. You've gone back to Yamaha after all these years where you started. That's great. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and just I want to give a plug again. Uh, if anyone is going to Overland Expo um, the next weekend, what's today? The 13th? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So it's next right. Thursday to Thursday to Sunday. And you're speaking a few 17. times. You're on a couple different panels. I'm doing one kind of main presentation, and then I'm on two or three panels. Oh, so. you're still touring like a rock star here. Yeah. You got you got a roadie setting up your equipment and stuff, <laughs> selling your merch. Well, do you want one? <laughs> <laughs> I lift heavy things good, <laughs> and he has really nice may, eyelashes. Um, <laughs> may I give? May I offer you? an invitation Elspeth if not for this year perhaps for next year um, there is this thing called Babes Ride Out I've heard of that actually and um, there's Babes Ride Out East Coast and there's Babes Ride Out West Coast and the West Coast one is held quite late in the year it's in October it's consistently getting bigger it's a female only event Um, Mm -hmm. and how many were there last year Kat? Oh, there had to be like but, a, a thousand. Oh no, I think probably three in, or four. Uh, it's it's getting bigger every year. In Southern California, Paralance, it's hella many. Right. <laughs> exactly. um, I think it's an event you would very Bruh. much enjoy attending. So um, perhaps if you would consider this year, it'd be great. But if you can't, maybe next year, I think it'd be wonderful if you could attend one. Because it's exactly what she wants, to go to a place where there's thousands of people who are going to put her on a pedestal. Absolutely. (laughs) You're going to get mobbed. Yeah, that sounds horrible. Bring a whole bunch of uh, (laughs) markers to sign things. And isn't it like sponsored by Sailor Jerry or something? Uh, yeah, it's yeah. free beer right. and free Sailor Jerry all weekend. Everybody's on motorcycles. Let's and give them you- tons of free alcohol. <laughs> what you a don't, good idea. No, you don't go anywhere Hollister's when been you're doing it for years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but alas, you can't go, Isaac, because you're the wrong gender, darling. Uh, nothing cooler than a Am bunch I pretty of drunk enough? chicks. You are pretty enough. I've but seen him topless with, with eyeliner. Chicks. He could almost pass. True. Yeah. I actually wore a lot of eyeliner when I first started coming yes, to the garage. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's called, it's I, called guy liner. I haven't done you that in way too long. You were discovering your inner something. <laughs> it's been way right. uh, too long. <clears throat> um, Elsbeth, if somebody would like to purchase your book. Where do they go? Where do they go? Um, well, it is is coming out in the US in I think it's coming out in about two weeks time. Uh, you can buy it on Amazon or mm-hmm. you can go to octanepress.com. Don't go to eBay. Don't go to eBay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently they're selling they're selling hardbacks on eBay for six hundred and something dollars. Wow. <laughs> what is wow. the what is the name of your book, Elspeth? It is called Lone Rider. So if you go to Amazon and look for Lone Rider uh, by Elspeth Beard, they will find your book. It's an extraordinary read. It's it it really is a riveting book. I highly recommend it to anyone. Exactly, and actually, that brings us to our next little bit. It's time to do our Patreon prize pack Woo! giveaway, and in the prize pack, 
this month. Oh Isaac, my God. can you uh, list off some of the things that are in there? All right. So when Liza first gave this to me, I thought she was just giving it to me. I was really stoked. So <laughs> first thing, we got a Moto Crew USA t-shirt. I yeah, these were the, the, the like, kids that were racing. Like the four-year-olds. Yeah. These aren't like, kid sizes, though, right? No. <laughs> it is as vivid a shade it of red a, as I have ever a seen. Right-ass cherry red. We call that uh, right. what seems oh, to be the problem a, officer red. That is a naked gym <laughs> slash motorcycles and misfits mug. Oh, this is a, a large a nice shirt, mug by the to way. scandalize the children shirt. in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And keep digging. What else Mugs. is in there? Guaranteed to improve we have an the flavor of Emma's your coffee. Emma's Army sticker. Guaranteed. Oh, yeah. 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 That sticker go. is so valuable that will put you in the next tax bracket. <laughs> it's also worth five horsepower on the bike. Honestly, right. maybe no, more. Hey guys, Douglas and Cat P have to leave. Bye, All right, guys. Take oh, it easy. Bye. All right, what else you got in there? All right, we got one tack. <laughs> oh, I was missing. Thumbtack. Thank you. Uh, Thumbtack. We have a this Motion cool. Pro hydraulic bleeder. So this has cool. this has an internal check valve, so you don't have to open and close oh, nice. the the bleed valve constantly. Yeah, Char hey, Charlie nice. was bleeding a master cylinder today, and he's like, "Can I borrow that this tool? Is These, worth, this is a worth really the, good uh, Motion Pro tool." This is a really a really nice uh, tire pressure gauge. Oh, don't yeah. use those little slime pieces of shit. They don't work. Yeah, the pencil <laughs> gauge. Get gauges. a proper one. Yeah, get yeah. a proper dial gauge. Tool company. What we're basically doing is giving you tire no excuse gauge. not to maintain your bike. Right. That's right. I asked, what's in your hand there? Uh, five dollars off your online order of Elsbeth's book with a oh, and it's signed. It is a and nice. I'm not going to read the code out loud, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, yeah. If dude, you want to order you. a book, you get five dollars off, and, you, and the card is signed. And nice. uh, that is Twisted Road, twenty five dollars oh, off sick. Twisted Road rental. Sick, yeah, awesome. I thought it was just a cool postcard. Yeah, it's a uh, it's more uh, more free money. This is more awesome. bala pedala. This is uh, yeah. This is this is sick. I, I'm all sad right. It's so Elsbeth. I'm going to hand you the bag. I need you to pull a name and hand that to me, please. Let's see who our Patreon supporter. And just a Michael reminder, McCarthy, for anyone uh, supporting us for $5 or more a month, you automatically get your name thrown in here for our monthly drawing. And every month we're going to throw in different things, but I, I'm... I'm Finding a lot of these tools uh, that I think are really helpful that we use here, and I want to encourage people Dude, to do this shit is hella good. maintenance. Five dollars so, a month, you say? <clears throat> five dollars a month. It's like I got five it's like on it. <laughs> Sixty or seventy dollars worth of stuff. In oh, here. easily, yes. at least. All right, you will and be the envy of your neighbors all right. with this gift box. Elsbeth has pulled the name. We have Adam Bombra. Adam or well Bombra. That doesn't sound Bombra. like my name at all. Or Bombro. <laughs> so, Adam, congratulations. I will be contacting you to get your address so I can send you out your prize pack this month. Yeah, don't, uh, don't say we never so did nice. nothing for you. Um, and Adam and all our Patreon subscribers, thank you. Without you, we absolutely could not exist. So, if you are a Patreon subscriber... Thank you. Well, we exist a little bit better with you guys around. No, we exist a lot better now. Um, <laughs> yeah. And if you're not a Patreon subscriber yet, consider it, please. Yeah. Um, if nothing else, y you may win a box full of swag. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
So also, to, sorry. Yeah, thanks for ahead. everybody. Anybody sending us ten millimeter sockets because we have a crap ton of them now. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, eight I think we're out of twelves now. <laughs> I tell you what, we're out of. If we're out of decent chocolate again, yeah. <laughs> you know what? You know what? We have a lot of though. Gin. It's at my house. No, There's no. A big we, bottle labeled Emma's Gin at my house. We have a whole bunch oh. of like empty bottles of cans of whatever. You squeeze the bottom, a little oh, spittle comes know. out of like uh, either chain lube or right. contact cleaner. WD forty. I sorted all those a few months ago. We tried. Yeah. We tried. So um, we had a lot of fun today. I wanted to talk real quick. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, Elsbeth was nice enough to let us do a little meet and greet mm-hmm. here at the garage. So we have the garage open, and I just kind of put the word out um, on our Facebook page so people who already know yeah. about us, and then to a local too. email group. Um, yeah, a little local form and a bunch of people showed up oh yeah it's yeah. really awesome cool and uh we just gave her a little post gave her a little table just propped her up and she <laughs> did her thing and uh, a lot of people took photos with her it was really cool so i wanted to thank you for doing that i think uh, i think people really enjoyed uh getting to meet you and just hanging out with us today and you got to see what we do here in the garage working on bikes i did yeah oh. you know I, I passed by earlier i noticed all these people and i was like my social anxiety is not gonna accept this <laughs> i just kept on riding for for another 30 minutes and came back after i got breakfast <laughs> it was really cool but we had another visitor here today i yes, wanted to did. give a mention to um a few months ago we interviewed mike ranowski who uh, authored the book harley tracks about his trip on his harley through vietnam Whoa. And uh, he's doing a cross-country trip, and he stopped in and hung out with us today as well. Oh, he did? Yeah, nice. he did. He and was, was just passing through? Yeah. He was passing That's through, awesome. and he came, cool. and he had his bike, his, his bike from oh. Vietnam. Mm. What kind of bike cool. is it? It's a Harley. We well, established that. What kind of Harley is oh, it? Oh, uh, FLXT cl- classic. What was it? BWT W4. It's a two-cylinder Harley. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. It's a fat glide sport. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for Thank the Harley. You. And right, it's adorned mind. with some um, artwork of like Vietnam and on everywhere he's been. Oh, wow. And it was really cool because then I started introducing him around as well. And there was a bunch of guys who showed up for Elsbeth, but then we're kind of like, whoa, check this dude out. And he kind of had a little posse following him around, too. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. Well, yeah, half the people that came here were on Harleys, so. Yeah. So that was really cool. So I wanted to shout out to Mike Janowski of Harley Tracks. And the other anomaly. half rode in. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, says the, says the Harley rider. rider, yeah. That's why I can say it. That's well, right. You, you were on your Aprilia, so you actually got here. <laughs> hey, a V-twin nonetheless. That's right. Um, but it's we were getting bike, some stuff done today, but there were a couple um, issues with some scooters yes. that were similar yet not. Sparkling plugs. Yeah. So, Bagel, you have your cannonball scooter that you're preparing. Yep. And it was cutting in and out, I think you said? Yeah. Well, I, I'd gotten it back together. It, it rode flawlessly uh, the past weekend. Uh, you know, had no problems. Then, during this past week, I rode over the hill, and on the way back, it started uh, it started cutting. Well, it cut out of me completely coming over the hill. I'd noticed a little bit of hesitation before, and I was like, mm, what is that? That's not right. Was it the brown wire or the black wire? <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> no, but it was, uh, well, and I stopped when it completely cut out on me, and I found the spark plug cab had popped off, so I was like, oh, well, that's all it is. Pop it back on, I'm good to go. I kept going, hmm. but then it stopped, kept hesitating more and more the more I went, and I couldn't figure, I was, you know, I, I thought maybe the spark plug cap popped off again, checked it, no, it was on. So I was like, oh, crap, there's something more involved here. Mouse in the airbox, I'll give you 300 bucks. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I I knew that that I put a a fresh spark plug in when I put the engine together. So it was like, you know, it's a new spark plug. Couldn't be be that. Um, So I... You know, tried swapping out the injector, the injector relay, thinking maybe it was a fuel delivery problem. Hmm. Um, not, nothing, none of that made a difference. Um, you know, I tried a new spark plug cap because the old one was kind of old. That still didn't make a difference. Um, and then I brought it to the garage here today and started swapping out coils and testing the fuel pressure. I actually had a, 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 a fuel injection pressure tester and hooked that in and tested it. Oh, wow. Hung it out the side of the scooter while I was riding so I could glance down and he, see if you it was... Were, you were actually resisting that bagel, and I insisted. Bit. A little bit. And you looked extremely worried when you left. <laughs> I've done worse at work. Yeah, well, you know, I, I just, you know, routing fuel lines outside of right <laughs> the thing is a little bit little no, bit shaky, what could but, go wrong you know just a fuel breach and it's a style gasoline. this sounds really maddening right. when it was just right you replaced the new you replaced the spark like but that was the fault the well fault. well that's that's the thing and i went back in and i was like all right let me let me check the spark plug see yeah. what see what's going on pull the plug out and and it it, it was it was it it seemed fairly clean yeah, but then Emma, you noticed something about there it. There was yeah. something wrong. It had a good color, like you know. It, it had a good color, but I was looking at it and I noticed the electrode wasn't actually in the middle of the plug. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then I inspected it further, and the whole plug was kind of bent like a banana. Like uh, the entire plug? Yes. Oh shit. Um, a sudden it was bizarre. Banana. Yeah, it was the strangest thing. Um, so. Basically, cut a long story short, you popped a new plug in it, and yep. off you went. And off I went. And it rode great. And that was yeah. it. And I, there was a huge relief, because I was worried it was something in the wiring harness or, or something you know deep down in the bike right. that, yeah. you know, that I hadn't gone through yet. Um, but luckily, it was just the you stupid know, little You're little so part. lucky. That's so, like literally one in maybe what, what? Literally one in a million issue. Well, it is. Those, those it is plugs are like. Well, it is. It is essentially perfect, right? Coming out of the factory. Oh, yeah. They're all perfect for the coming out of the part, factory. As far, as, as far as QA, <laughs> but nope. yeah. No. Well, no. no. I think something <laughs> may have happened. Right? Oh, like so I wanted to something. talk a little bit about spark plugs. Mm-hmm. Now, I've got to be honest with you. I regard myself as something of a whiz with diagnosing bikes but when i mess up at work it's usually because i overthink something emma yes can i interrupt real quick of course you can i can see that miss elsbeth is is <laughs> she's she's holding on this woman has with more jet lag than any person i have ever seen she, before she's holding on with rubber bands and wire yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's being such a trooper and i want to hear you talk all about the sparkling plugs. plugs and i'm guessing maybe she doesn't want it <laughs> no, no she i don't want to hear this <laughs> um elspeth what an extraordinary honor and pleasure it has been to have you with us in the studio um I can't overemphasize your achievement. I think it's fantastic what you did. I think it's fantastic that you were still involved with motorcycling. Um, 
you continue to be a huge inspiration for everyone not just women obviously you're a huge icon in the female motorcycling community but for anybody who's swung a leg over a motorcycle yeah you are you're a giant figure Thank, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you very much. Yes. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. Much. I want to thank, thank you. you too. I've I've had um, a great time getting to know you even better. <clears throat> Last weekend at Flock to the Rock, and then at uh, your event here in San Francisco. Which, by the way, you guys had uh, at a great turnout at um, Piston and Chain. Cool. Yeah, a lot of people came out. Yeah. And uh, you know, if you do go to one of these events to see her. Go there as quickly as you can if you want to buy a book from her in person because she is <laughs> selling out and may not have enough for this whole trip. Yeah, thanks for classing up this place a little bit. <laughs> Sorry if we cursed a little too much, whatever, you know. <laughs> awesome. So thanks again, and we will let you go. Thank you. Thank All right. You. Thanks. Okay, Good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, uh, I, I've never seen anybody more relieved to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm every. If Keanu Reeves and Mike were in the same room, <laughs> yeah, Keanu Reeves couldn't no. try and get out of here fast. <laughs> and Paul. That's so funny. No, you guys, she's been such a trooper. Like I was pointing out, right. she's, she did this thing and then went on with yeah. her life. So it is still very weird for her. You know, she, she didn't. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't what? say she didn't ask for this. I mean, she wrote a book about it because people were interested and she right, wanted right, to share. Right. But she's not somebody who self-promotes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's not like it happened five years ago or even ten years ago. It's 35 years ago. And that once you do something so long ago, and I was trying to think what I was doing in the, in the early 80s. I mean, I was still... Yeah. going down the pub and getting drunk with my friends and basically <laughs> having that, no but, direction you know. in life but to do something so long ago and then yeah sure it gets it not only gets forgotten it gets put way back in the back of the closet yeah. of your head you know and we, suddenly it's become such a huge part of her life it's, it, it's, it's got to be extraordinary but i think part of it too is i think i believe it's just we're living in the information age yes and this stuff happens and it's it's all for the better when you hear about you know elizabeth elizabeth's story and stories like her you know and you have to remember too thing. this is not her what she does for a living no like a lot of people who do make motorcycling you know their right their passion their 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 living really yeah she doesn't she's got a very successful architecture practice um so the fact that she's out here doing it she is such a trooper i, I really know. have great respect for her. and emma i want to thank you for introducing no it's it's her it, to us as well it, like i totally get the fact that she doesn't want to get rid of her bike i still have that kind of an attachment well, to my super hawk you know so yeah, right. and you know talking to her also um like she doesn't sit around and talk about motorcycles with anyone yeah motorcycling uh is just a personal thing to her yeah. yeah and and she yeah she doesn't she, she she doesn't live for it like we do but you know i did ask her i said can you imagine it not in your life and she's like no well i mean to be fair though i don't talk to you know random people about bikes unless they ask me you know like i guess at one <laughs> point do. you have we all do. <laughs> well, I, I mean i shove it down their throats <laughs> like like okay there's a, there's a point where you're like you know you discover motorcycling and you're in love with it so you want to share it with the world right. kind of a thing and then there's a point where you're just like you're in it 
and you understand that there's a, a regular quote-unquote regular person's view and then a motorcycle's view right you know so when does that metamorphosis occur because 10 years 12 years on it's oh god it's different no it's different right. for everyone it's different for everyone but I, I i understand what you're saying because some people just you know it's it's part but of it you just yeah i've i've i'm preaching the I've, gospel I've, yeah <laughs> i've always maintained this from day one since every one of you have known me I don't get me wrong. I love motorcycles. Yeah. Um, I physically love motorcycles, and there's <laughs> photographic evidence to prove it. It's on a shirt. But yeah, a little diddle in there. I really, I'm totally in the culture. This is how I earn my living. I'm dicking around with motorcycles seven days a week. Yep. But that isn't the grand prize for me. Mm. The grand prize of motorcycling for me is riding with my friends. And yep. riding with people I care about yep. on motorcycles. Mm. That's the grand prize. It all goes back to the people. You introduce the human element into everything, and that's the grand prize. Indeed. And always will be. I hate riding with people. Oh, I know <laughs> you do. I like riding alone. Okay, very so, good. So, well, let's maybe, go back. Maybe you just need to be in a... a maybe I've ridden with people, the wrong people. Right, maybe you need, a group, you need a, to ride with a group of people who know how to ride in a group of maybe people. Maybe I'm the asshole. Yeah, don't ride with Charlie. <laughs> don't ride with so, Charlie, that's a good one. I, I wanted to go back because we were talking about... Sparkling plug. Bagel. Yes. And your friend, too. Her name again? Yaffa. Yaffa, who also was having a spark plug issue. Yes. Well, you want to describe that issue? It's a little easier to diagnose. Yeah, so, uh, well, her, her issue actually <laughs> was not just the spark plug. That was definitely part of the problem oh yes um but we we still haven't solved the ultimate issue which it looks like it's it's Yaffa's spark plug came out in kit form yes it? It, I, I, took, <laughs> I went in there to what take the plug mean? out <clears throat> well i pulled the i pulled the the plug cap off oh, and boy. i i was actually what i was going to do was change the the uh the coil and the plug cap and the wire and everything to oh to is it a stick coil is it a stick coil where the the, the coil is actually, no, no 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 no, no, no it's no. a coil that just has the wire coming out of it oh okay just a little one okay um but I was going to change that, so I pulled, I took the coil off, and then I pulled the spark plug, spark plug cap off, and put the new coil on. I was going to fit the the new uh, plug cap onto the plug, and I was trying to feeling cause it's 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 an ET four, so the plug is way down in there on the side. So it's oh, really, there's a reason you, for that. You, you can't even see it. Hmm. Well, because they want you to take the bike and have it serviced, so you don't do it yourself. No, no, no. <laughs> it's not quite. I'll tell you the reason for it. I I know, we're going reason. off topic. That bike was designed as a two-stroke. Oh, yeah. So the frame mm. was designed as a two-stroke. Right. And over the years, it's become a four-stroke. What? Well, what can you tell me about four-stroke engines? They're taller than two-strokes. Yeah. So the spark plug has gone from being quite accessible when reaching down. Oh, yeah. Pull like, spark right in the plug front off. where the little door is. Right, exactly. <laughs> to now it's on the side and yep. the engine is taller, so it's completely inaccessible. Yep. So in order to get the bloody spark plug cap off, you're basically wrenching the plug into all kinds of yeah. peculiar shapes. Yeah, you have to literally like squeeze your hand down between the cylinder and the side of the frame mm. and you have about an inch to work with in there to like like get the plug there in. There is and a out. technical term for that. It's uh, called a shit show. Yeah. So that would definitely what, be. what hasn't so, been made clear is Okay. The spark so, plug was broken well, well, in half. Yeah, so, so I went to put the plug cap on the plug, and I'm like feeling around in there to feel where the plug tip is. I'm like, wait a minute, why does that feel rough? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, I, and I looked in the, and I took, pulled the old plug cap out and looked at it, 
And there was the tip of the insulator inside the plug cap. And I'm like, what the hell? Not <laughs> yeah. happened. That Nasty kills the it, It's plug. still funny that it still grounded itself and, and it was, was still firing. It still yeah. ran. Yeah, yeah I guess it was close enough. The, the rubber boot held it on tight enough that it, yeah. it still sparked. But, but yeah, I was getting a very weak spark, but still running. I just yeah. squeeze a bunch of dielectric grease in there. Fuck it. it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, so I pulled, the, pulled the plug out, put a new one in, uh, started up, rode it around, still having the same problem where it, it kind of cuts out mid mid throttle um so it it seems like it's probably just clogged passage um so there it is but spark plugs so yeah how how often is the spark plug the problem because it's one of the easiest things to check right but we rarely do more often than you think and and then these are two new plugs i put a new plug in her bike a week ago and a new plug in my bike when i put the new engine in so it's just stupid luck. Well, you know, well, we've, well, we've all got our favorite brands, Bagel. And yeah. I've got to be honest with you, um, the American brand that begins with C ain't one of my favorites. You, you don't like champignons? Champignons? Champignons! <laughs> Wait, no. is that really I'm going to start using that I, one. <laughs> I don't like champignons either. The mushroom plug. Champignons. <laughs> uh, no, they're not my favorite. Yeah. I mean, I have consistently NGK, done baby. well with the not good kind. <laughs> not good kind. NGKs as well. Um, that's what Yaffa got today, so yeah. hopefully that Yeah, will run so, well. um, yeah, spark plugs, they're, they're quite often a problem. And if we actually look at the construction of a spark plug, um, it's really bound to give you problems. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, really? Well, I mean, like, wh- just by nature. There's a, lot, there's a lot of interesting components going on. In right. I mean, plug. just the, the way the ceramic yes, is. Yes, exactly. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, basically, uh, a spark plug, the exterior of a spark plug is made of two very dissimilar materials. Mm-hmm. There's usually a steel base which is the bit that screws into the cylinder head. Mm-hmm. And then the actual insulator is made out of the same stuff as your toilet, mm-hmm. which is porcelain. Mm-hmm. And um, porcelain's great insulator. Very, very nice it's insulator. also great for breaking car windows silently. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is yeah, true. Yeah, somebody cuts you off, just throw some... Uh, sp- throw a spark plug there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it can be a little brittle and fragile. Mm-hmm. Um, so... What can happen to spark plugs? Well, it happens a lot of things. Um, the porcelain can break. Yep. And if the porcelain breaks, what I think happened to your plug, yep. I think the porcelain broke internally. Mm-hmm. And when a, when porcelain breaks internally, now, instead of the spark going between the electrodes where it should, mm-hmm. now it's actually sparking inside the plug where it shouldn't right. and you're getting a misfire nasty business yeah and and that may have actually been my fault because when we put the plug in right i had a hell of a time getting the wrench out of there because there's so little room um and and i i may have have tweaked it somehow when i was trying let's to pull it off. review what is the best oil filter to put on your bike oh yeah not a canin <laughs> What is <laughs> what is the best spark plug wrench to use on your bike? The one that comes in the toolkit. Exactly. <laughs> Particularly on a Vespa, because access is so tight. Yep. Even at work, I have... I must admit, in the big scheme of things, my toolbox at work is surprisingly small. But I do have a selection of about 10 spark plug wrenches Mm. of various lengths and sizes Mm -hmm. however if i get a bike that comes in and i'm thinking of (laughs) off the top of my head off the honda dirt bikes where the spark plug is kind of tricky access 
the very first thing I do is look at the OEM toolkit under the seat. Yeah. Yeah. Invariably, it's never been opened, and the, the original spark plug wrench is in there, and it fits like an absolute dream. You, you know what's yeah. cool is with scooters, they still provide you a fucking toolkit. Oh, yeah. A lot of the modern super sports bikes, you ain't get shit. Yeah. Like, they just stopped yeah. doing that past, what's, like, 90-something? It's weight savings, bro. Yeah, weight and cost, <laughs> you know? Right. But, uh, but yeah, but thankfully, and on my bike at least, changing the spark plug made all the difference. It's now running like, running like a top again, so I'm feeling much more at ease and Shouldn't ready to, run like good to go. finish the rest of my planning <laughs> for the trip, yeah. which I'm leaving on in, for the, in like 10 days. Like, mechanical had, reliability anxiety is a fucking oh, yeah. a motherfucker. Oh, I, had a, you know? I had yeah. an experience with that a couple of weeks ago uh, that it turned out not to be the spark plugs, which I figured out after gapping them all on the side of the road. Mm. Um, I, I found out that uh, when my when my bike slowly started dying and not like out of gas where it goes on and off and on and off yep. just slowly started dying over the course of about five miles mm-hmm. going over 17 uh-huh. so I started dying on 85 and it finally I just barely made it up Bear Creek Road so mm-hmm. it went from like four cylinders to three cylinders <laughs> and down to two but it wasn't just specific to it was kind of all of them but here and there Oh wow! and uh, it <laughs> cut off on the bridge across Bear Creek Road uh-huh. so on the side of the road I was like what's going on so I just we'd had a bike with similar problems that morning a nighthawk mm-hmm. so and it had been the spark plug so mm-hmm. i pulled the plugs right. gapped them all put them back in nothing it would fire up but then it would die yeah and then i got a voltmeter on it and it was reading like eight volts oh man and then <laughs> like and then i could uh so i got a ride home i got a battery tender on it you know got the battery all all set yeah. And then started it up, and it goes down to 11.3 when it should be running. You know, at the battery, it should be yeah. running like 14, 13, 14. And uh, yep. so, alternator. Yeah. So, my bike is looks like it got gutted from the rear end, like a wolf going into a deer. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had to Total pull plastics. Because this is a transverse V4. Yeah. yeah. So, I ordered a new alternator, and it's not oil-cooled. This is a 40-amp. The old 28-amp ones were like, you know, oil-cooled uh-huh. where they go into the bike. But this is just an air-cooled oil Mitsubishi. Alternator. Yeah. Well, you know, Most like a stator, are like, a, are... like a stator on a bike, where it's like part oh, of your engine. Right. Okay, so like you have an actual alternator versus a stator. exactly. So instead of a okay. stator, I have an actual so alternator, cool. like yeah, in a car. It's right. just like you'd look into a car yeah. instead of being driven by a belt. It's driven by a little Hang on Wait. now. They're all they're all alternators. They're all alternators. Yeah. Yes, because the definition because of, the of an alternator yes. is an alternating current generator. Right, but this one shortened to an alternator. Right, but for most of us. If you want to, if yours goes bad, you have to open up your crankcase. Yes, 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 oil, yes, 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 pull yes, it out. yes, yes, all that. Mm-hmm. This one's more like where you you open the hood of a car and there's a little air cooled unit with lots right, of right, right. coils. So, but unfortunately, unlike a car, I had to remove my rear wheel and swing arm to get. Cars to don't it. have swing arms. They don't. <laughs> funny enough, um, so some do. So, but I uh, got it back on, and I I ordered a new one from Florida. Came in like two days, which was amazing. Mm. Uh, Wait, got you, it you on. Didn't, you didn't have one on another one of your parts bikes. They're both twenty eight amps. Oh, okay. Yeah. So my parts bikes are ninety five and ninety one. Ah. Uh, and my uh, and and the, mine is ninety seven. And okay. in ninety six, Honda realized, huh? Everybody who gets these bikes either blows up their alternator or just voluntarily <laughs> swaps it for a forty amp. Uh, uh-huh. Maybe we'll put it on stock. Mm. There you go. So Wait, is it driven so off a of gear? Is it gear driven? Exactly. Okay. It's gear driven. You don't have to open up yeah. the crankcase at all. Cool. Um, nice. The old one you did. Okay. So yeah, just got the new one, plopped it on. 
nothing it, it'll start up of course because i have it on a battery tender but it's running at like constant loss mm-hmm. so i was like what's going on i texted emma she's like let me look at a wiring schematic that has a fuse have you found the fuse i was like no <laughs> she's like it's a 55 amp fuse it's gonna be really wow. big yeah, so right big... next to the battery i found <laughs> i found a this copper tube I, I found this fuse it's like you know it's it's about a chunk of coat hanger it's, it's yeah. about like half a centimeter really, yeah. wide mm-hmm. yeah. and like you know about as thick as a dime you know not quite but it's close and and like three inches long yeah and i you know i opened up the cap a spare fell out so that's great and oh, i looked cool. at it and the, the middle of it was just gone yep okay like the, so this there is an like, ebay alternator you got <laughs> huh no no this no? is the fuse this is the ebay alternator went on it 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 was you know it's fine but right but now i opened up the fuse and the fuse had blown oh the fuse of oh, yeah, on your bike yeah, yeah okay, the yeah, alternator okay. fuse so there was the no current on the, there was on no the current going to the alternator right. magnetize the coils yeah. to actually produce current so so I put in this spare that conveniently fell out when I opened it up. Mm-hmm. It's going again. It's Yay. at 13.5. So now I just have to get my swing arm back on. But cool. did, Buy did, two did you... more fuses and tape them to the inside. Oh, yeah. That, right? Oh, yeah. No, I live right next to Napa. And I've so, been in I've lived in this house for like two weeks and I've been there like seven times. <laughs> so the question is, if the fuse blew, did you find out why the fuse blew in the first place? Well, Emma's saying there's probably a dead short in the old alternator. Uh, you see, the old alternator yeah. is completely Mm self-contained it's got the windings it's got the three phases it's got the diode pack it's got the uh regulator all the things yep that you normally are spread over the bike mm-hmm. are contained within the alternator. So it's the basically, it's got everything's yeah. contained wow. in there. Yep. So something's gone bad. Usually what happens with those big air-cooled alternators is one of the diode packs goes bad. Mm-hmm. So the current can go both ways, and then it starts getting a bit warm, and then everything yeah. goes down to yeah. ground, and it's it's a terrible thing. Yeah, if yeah. you look at an alternator and you see like a little lump sticking out of it, that's usually where right. the uh, re- rectifying circuit usually is, right? Right. Yeah, no. This one's pretty obvious. It's got a reg rack like right on the end of it. Yeah, it's also yeah. known as a rectum fryer. Rectum yes. fryer. Yeah. Well, well, it's a Honda, and it lasted. So this had hundred sixty nine thousand miles on it. It was like that. time for it to go. Yeah, it, it, it was did its well. time. It lived. You know, if right. I can rebuild and, it, that would be cool. It's but. basically. I mean, that alternator is basically a Hitachi that you'd find in a small Japanese car, mm. and a hundred yeah. and however many thousand miles is about the going rate for a smaller car so and the spare was 136 bucks it's the biggest replacement i've had to do on this bike can't go wrong mate i'm glad you got that figured out but now we have a listener who's got a question maybe we can help him well 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 so i've got an email here from derek ritchie hey derek Hi, Derek. And he has an 05 Kawasaki Concourse. Cool, blimey! Um, But he's saying he'd like to get a decent, comfortable, yet capable bike for his youngest son, who is 21 years old. Yes. uh, But is a big dude at about 210. Yes. Uh, He'll be learning on this bike. Yes. But then um, Derek would like to have it as a bike for him to use as well. Yes. After his son finds, moves on to his his next bike. Yes. Respring a DRZ. He's checking out the K. KLR 250s in the sub 2000 price uh, range. Yeah. Wants to know what we think. And, and a DRZ. How big's his son? <clears throat> Two a 21 year old 210. Yeah, I think he's corn fed dude. Yeah, he's gonna be. He's gonna be. I'm looking. sorry. What did you say, Michael? I'm. I'm telling you, respring a DRZ. I'm at 240. It's you know, on a good day, and mm-hmm. I just put stiffer springs in my DRZ, and it hauls my ass, my fat ass around with no problems. It can cruise at highway speeds, right. and it can be a dirt bike 
when it's done being a training bike, it's perfectly tame enough to learn on. Not in the sub two thousand. I mean, to be fair, range. Mike, you, you're to what two forty, but you could it looks like you could pile drive a fucking car. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're not you're not, you're you're like a fighting two forty dude. Well, the bike doesn't care how strong what? I am. Well, this is true. <laughs> so, I'm just saying for our audience, you know. KLR, KLR, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Let's talk about the KLR two KLR two fifty. It's an interesting anomaly that little bike. Um, it's kickstart only, mm-hmm. which I very much approve of. But it's very softly sprung, and it's quite a physically small bike. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This is what Adrian has, right? No. The KLR250 is the pink pony loner bike. Is it? I don't remember. No, so. that's a that's a Suzuki, isn't it? Was oh, yeah. that a DR250? No. Yes, DR isn't the pink pony a husky? No, no. Um, but it, but to me, that always felt just like a smallish bike. Yeah, no. The KLR two fifty is it. You look at it and you think, "Oh, that's a good sized bike." And then as you get closer, you realize it's on quite a small scale. It's like a KLR six fifty in two thirds scale. But um, but we can also talk price. I mean, yeah, in the sub two thousand range. Um, and I like putting, especially somebody in that age. Where you don't want them to kill themselves, Keep yeah, them, yeah reduce you know, the speed of the bike. Yeah, and um, I like—I I mean, I like the whole dirt bike thing because the thing is with enduro bikes, they're narrow, which is great. They've got big wide handlebars, so you've got a lot of leverage, which is great. Um, the handling can be a bit fruity on the street because you've got long spindly forks and twenty-one inch front wheel. Mm-hmm. But they're pretty consistent. You know... <sighs> I would say, yeah. I mean... Um, this is a beginner a, bike you're looking DR, for, yes? A DR, a KLR. If you're wanting to get something that's like a, a you know a trail bike, a mini adventure bike... It's I as think, good as anything else I think any there. of those, they've made them for so many years. If he's going to drop it, he can get the parts really easily. And if he's riding... Um, if Derek is riding a concourse, he'd probably really enjoy a small bike to zip around on. Right. Um and I missed that. That's his. That's his alternate. Yes, wow. it's a concourse. Nice. And and yes, Mike, the DRZ four hundred is a great bike. It can do a lot, but it can also go fast. Yeah, I mean, I get that, and and you can change a lot of that with gearing and and. Um, do you want to put a, a first timer on a DRZ four hundred? I mean, it depends no. on how responsible. You know what? No, I yeah, would. I mean, I would. I'm putting my yeah. brother on it. I'm okay. What, I, what I'm looking at is like overall horsepower. What DRZ's under but 30, hang 40 on, some horsepower? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but we're missing the elephant in the room. The DRZ four hundred is a wonderful bike. It's got good power delivery. You can spring it just right. Mm-hmm. But it, you're talking like four grand. Well, yeah. and that's yeah. what I was oh, going to say. Prices, the one okay, thing the yeah. DRZ can't do is get you in the seat for under two grand. Yeah. And if you can, you don't want it. <laughs> yeah. Two grand DRZ 400s are just going to be rocho. I was going to say, what yeah. about if he's not... If he doesn't want the dual sport, uh, isn't uh, ha- doesn't have his heart set on dual sport thing? What about older uh, UJMs or something like? Yeah, that? you know I was like old Nighthawks. Yeah, or even, don't buy no, an old Nighthawk. Nighthawks uh, Night Night are nightmares. is going to be too small. Yeah, well, but also, you know what? Also, they're just carburetor Here's monsters. Here's the thing, though. Remember, he's 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 21 years old. He's a big guy. So I think going with these. A small displacement adventure bike is going to get something that will fit his frame the oh, best. Oh, absolutely. So I think you're on the right track as opposed to a sport or a street or any other style. 210 tall or short is what we're asking here. I mean, what, and I guess it doesn't matter. No, he's going to be he's going to be like a big corn-fed Midwestern guy. And then he's the, just going to be a big stuff, guy. If, yeah. if, if you did want something shorter than, than one of those, like, 
650 750 cruisers that are like you know they're not going they're not twitchy it's not a 600 sport bike it's not going to throw you tell you what it goes back to the same thing if you're buying a cruiser two grand vulcan 500 any day of the week i'm just going to throw in Mm. even though because even though i know jim had the problem with his but the dr350 you can get those for 1500 right yeah and um that's it's tall enough and uh, we've, they had, are we've actu- been having a lot of fun with them. They are actually very good bikes, but I must admit, to me, a Kickstart DR350 is a hard sell. No, I'm trying to get the E. Yeah. E start. That's why I said 1500 The Kickstarts are going the for last 1000 time, the, the last time I really hurt myself on a motorcycle <laughs> was actually kickstarting a DR350. <laughs> yeah. 1500 to, I, to 2000 I wanted, I wanted the Kickstart to go down the bike didn't want the kickstart to go down <laughs> it was pushing the kickstart up something had to give and it was my ankle oh and it was about right. jolly painful are, are yeah. we missing a whole segment here are we like is there a reason we're not talking about like an ex250 or something like that you know i was well, thinking about that well, yeah, yeah i think it might be a bit small i mean 20 horsepower doesn't care if you weigh 160 pounds or 250 pounds yeah but your knees do your knees it, and back it's care. true but i you know for a guy again my size uh a couple of years ago, I took the basic riders course and I took it on a CB250. Right. So not not an EX, but yeah, yeah, took yeah. it on a CB250R, and I had a blast on it. I had an absolute blast on it. One of the cooler mm. things about you know, uh, it, it some of the older ones you can find in the price range. If you find a, a really beat up newer one, they've even got ABS on it, which is a great thing, a great learning tool. Oh yeah, yeah those are great so, bikes. So I mean, yeah, it's a little small, but. Again, it falls into is is he two ten tall or two ten short? Because if he's right. two ten short, hop on a hop on a CB or hop on a on an EX two fifty and have at. CBRs aren't super short. So I fit on a CBR two fifty R just fine. Like they're fairly tall, and I'm like five eleven six foot. Right. So uh, you got a lot of options out yeah. there. Yeah. <clears throat> but, but you know, take I mean, a look at DR three fifty. I I like that bike. I have a suspicion that there is a klr250 somewhere around them and they've seen yeah. it and they're just thinking about it you Where know is it's this a gentleman located sir i uh, didn't say okay no i'm guessing yeah. i'm guessing they've seen one and there uh, might be one for sale yeah. you know it's as good a start as any listen i mean the truth is in six months to a year he's going to be looking for a bigger I, bike here's, anyway. here's what i'll yeah. say get whatever is the most common in your area right yeah because you'll have plenty of parts well you sure as yeah. shit but ain't gonna if, have problems getting cars and, and, well, like uh, no and it's, and it's common because that's <laughs> the type of riding people they're doing there sure so I mean, well, I don't know about no, that. Though. No, like, I, th- I look. There's a lot of there's a lot of crotch rockets in Oregon, but a lot of people do dirt bike riding, and it's not as sure. Prevalent yeah. as that, but if they, if KLR two fifty is a very common bike there, I would just start with there. Right. Yeah. Um. Knock. Yes. You have an email there. You I do. Uh, this one's from Mark Allen Hunt. Missing a GoPro. See you soon. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hello, Mark. Okay. So uh, well, a, while ago, a while ago. A while ago. Um, Myself and Mike and a bunch of other people took a road trip up to Portland, Oregon. And, uh, <laughs> he had Mike, a rough time on that Mike, trip. <laughs> Mike had a rough time and he lost a GoPro. Here we go. Oh, Ooh, wow. nasty. Yeah. He also got hit on, right? Oh, yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, he got a phone number. <laughs> and Mike was super bashful about it. What was, what was Please tell name? me it was a dude's. It was a chick's. Oh, 
<laughs> Anyways, oh, damn it. was that a? We were having breakfast and, and a waitress slipped him a number. So, so ah. did, didn't he? Did he? Yeah. So I remember he he lost the GoPro like on the yeah. freeway or something. He does right? have a yeah. diesel thing about him. So what, is, <laughs> so, uh, what does the C say? Okay. Uh, hey guys, just put two and two together. There's a guy in the Pacific Northwest motorcycle Reddit. He found a GoPro that was a little banged up. Was able to pull the video from it, and he posted to see if he could find who it was. Nice. It was some big Boston signing asshole. <laughs> he mentioned cruising hard, and I'm starting to wonder if it's Mike. Did he lose a GoPro? I'll include a link no to the post shit. and the oh, video at the bottom of this email. Wow. Isn't Mike from New York? That's super offensive. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know. <laughs> it's like calling a Kiwi an Aussie, right? But if he right? gets his GoPro back, it's worth it. Yeah, right? well, anyway, I'm riding down to Portland, uh, from Portland, Oregon, to the Corbin factory to get a new seat. Oh, yes. Nice. I'm taking one all the way, all the way, all day. All right, cool. All the way day, and I'm stopping in a garage on Sunday with my cool. brand new seat. Sweet. Yeah. Nice. Can't meet to meet all you amazing people. I'm looking forward to getting a long, droopy, two-foot dildo suction cupped <laughs> to my bike. But <laughs> nice. Destiny is calling. Uh, I do have a question that might be cool for the podcast. I want to get a dirt bike, preferably a two-stroke. Will I look around and moderate around the Craigslist and visit bikes in person? What are the red flags I should look for in a used dirt bike? What are the money pit problems and signs of abuse? Oh, well, a really big red flag oh, is that's two-stroke. Uh, if it's owned by a crackhead, that's a good This indicator. is like an entire half podcast about that. Oh, my that. God. All right, is, we'll is get the, to that in a second. Is the frame here. cracked? Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. The first question you asked, is about the maintenance schedule. Yeah, yeah. With a two-stroke, if the person can answer knowledgeably. Okay, let's compartmentalize two-stroke with two strokes. Mm-hmm. Valves. Okay. Uh, well, then, well, they I don't mean, have valves, but I mean, I mean the re- reads, 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 yeah. Um, uh, they they require more maintenance. The yep. engine does more 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 often rebuild. Um, because uh, they are a performance engine, and people who are riding two-strokes are the really two, yeah, putting them are, yeah. through the ringer. So anyone who really knows their bike and maintains it, they have a maintenance schedule, and they Plus, will tell you how often things have been done. Well, hang if on, they hang don't on. know, like they bought it from a guy two years ago, and right. they haven't done anything yet. Hmm. Goes stop, 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 stop. Okay, stop, stop, stop. stop. Right. Where, is the, where is this guy located? Uh, Portland, Portland but he's coming down here and want right. to look locally. California is an appalling place to buy a two-stroke. Yes, and I it is. Tell yeah. you why. Fucked up. Because it is, you cannot get a green sticker or a red sticker for a two-stroke yeah. anymore. The ones that have them are being flogged to death. Yep. Mm-hmm. And are pretty much at their end of their life because you simply can't use the new ones anymore. So the best place for him, Mark, to find a two-stroke is up in your neck of the woods mm-hmm. and um gotta be a cr250 yeah oh yeah. god what a great bike CR, yeah cr or any kind of you japanese make is typically because they're not so heavily performance oriented like a ktm or a husky or anything like that right? cr500 oh <laughs> you want to die today yeah. 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 no cr250 yeah w- oh yeah um, all day mid 90s CR 250 um, and the thing is with two strokes if the engine sounds clean it's running just fine if two strokes got problems if the top end's baggy if the bottom end's baggy it'll let you know yeah. it'll be noisy mm-hmm. the engine will be banging and crashing so yeah so you've just got to tune out the racket coming out of the exhaust pipe <laughs> and tune out 
when the pipe gets big in the basically the expansion box you've got to tune out that noise and just listen to the engine yeah. and the engine itself on a two-stroke if it's healthy should be relatively well, quiet and it's like is somebody who has a two-stroke are they more likely to sell it when it's time for the next rebuild or Probably. just after they yeah. did the rebuild yeah <laughs> time well, for the next rebuild here's it that's one of those things like like they sell it when it's time for the next rebuild, and it might still be okay. And they sell it after the rebuild, and they rebuilt it wrong because they're not actual mechanics. Right. They right. don't take consideration the squish band and all that crazy shit. And you might get a fucking dud. Like it, you'll run it for like when, what ten hours yeah. and it shits right. on you. So I think that that's good advice. Don't buy so, them down here. Well, so unless, what it is unless is you're like, ready for a rebuild. If you're really getting a two stroke, you're gonna learn to become an enthusiast. And you're going to learn to become a mechanic well, for the most part. Yeah, I mean, the only way I'd consider buying a two-stroke now is budgeting it, knowing that it's going to need a full rebuild. Yeah. You yeah, have yeah, to budget, a, yeah. and you buy it. Well, um, if it's been standing, you know it's going to need crank seals. Right. You know you're going to, as a minimum, put mm-hmm. rings, small end bearing in it. Mm-hmm. So and, and budget accordingly. Right. If you, if you own a two-stroke... A rebuild is just a matter of time anyway. Yes. Oh, so, yeah. So if you're going to get into that, you got to be, you know, willing to accept that to begin with. But And I, I would think that, that you know, the engine stuff, yeah, it would be nice if it's running well when you buy it. But if it needs work, you're yeah, going to have to put that you're in gonna anyway, be, but, and, sooner or later. Uh, but I would say, you know, make sure that, that the other stuff is good, too. Like the frame is solid. It's sure, not right. cracked. It hasn't been re-welded. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, make sure that, that, you know, other little stuff is, is, is good on there. It's been well taken care and, of. And let's just add in the obvious. If it's got spray paint on it anywhere... <laughs> Probably stolen at one point in his life. (laughs) But I think, too, the the people that I see who ride dirt bikes who are meticulous are also the ones that go and clean it after every ride. Absolutely. Mm. So if it is ragged out at all, Mm -hmm. avoid. But you can get a bike that's been well-maintained and and it will look brand new. With exceptions like Doug. Uh, well, okay, well, so now <laughs> so, just quickly on yeah. four strokes. Uh, what are we looking at here? Uh, it's Spray kinda, paint. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost kind of the same thing, too. There are guys who are selling four strokes in the, you know, in the byline that says recently rebuilt top end. <laughs> you know, so and who rebuilt it? Who, how, you know, what mechanic did it or did he do himself? And what kind of a list of items that he rebuilt it with is it oem parts or blah 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 blah. but you know this pretty much the same rules apply i mean if you're going to look at a bike and the engine is noisy there are very very few engines built in the last 20 years that are actually that noisy Mm -hmm. um there's a couple of exceptions a lot of the bigger single cylinder bikes can be a bit you know they can kind of tick tock a little bit at idle but generally if it sounds like a dog's dinner coming out of the engine walk away (laughs) most things are most and you've got to isolate the noise that's coming out of the exhaust you've got to and any intake hissing and roaring you've got to listen to that engine and if the engine sounds healthy yeah it's probably good but any competition bike it's just a matter of time two or four stroke you know if you're riding something hard in the dirt 
you're going to be rebuilding that bike yeah. sooner or later. I mean, part of it, like, aside, also for aside from the engine, which is important, obviously, uh, your suspension. Look oh, at the suspension. Oh, so many mm. brakes, suspension, Dude, tires, yeah. forks. Yeah, it, I mean, the list goes on. Particularly yeah. with suspension is those things get fucking shit hammered. Oh, yeah. You got 10 inches of travel and you're running around in really nasty conditions. Mm-hmm. So keep an eye on those. See if the forks, like your front forks seal, if they're weepy, you might be able to clean them out, but it, try to budget like a yeah. fork seal rebuild or in a rear shock rebuild. And just too. spin the wheels. Yeah. 90% of dirt bikes out there have got big eggs on the wheels. Yeah. They're um, kind of out of cocked out. And they're like, they're kind of cocked out. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a good thing if, you, if you're a buyer. Hey, man, these wheels need rebuilding. Yeah. It's as much of a problem as you want to make it, but yeah. if you want a bit of leverage with buying spin the wheels, if it's got a big flat spot on the rim, hey, man, I is, need to rebuild the wheel. Is yeah. there more to that email? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, okay. Thanks for the amazing. Okay. Thanks for being the amazing people that you are. You've opened my mind to appreciate bikes of different makes, models, colors, year styles, etc. Because of this, I stopped and talk to more motorcycles of different ages, cultures, philosophies, and races. You're expanding minds and changing the world one <laughs> dick joke at a time. <laughs> Ha, nice. ha, 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 ha. And oh yeah, I made up that shit about Mike's GoPro. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> what a what a teaser! Did he really? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, he did. yeah, I hope he's he hearing. He didn't this. find his GoPro. Jesus. Right? No, I hope he's hearing this and oh. reading this, oh, and he's really disappointed now. Oh. See you, fucker. See you, Nami from Portland. Oh, that's cold. Oh, that's real cold. I don't think Mike actually listens to the podcast. <laughs> I hope not. He's too busy doing dad. Yeah, yeah and I um yeah. I think we met. M.A. up at the one show. Oh, yeah, um, nice. Bagel, what yes. have you ha- got there? I have an email that says, The Biker Wave. Hey. And this is from Andy Weasels. Hello, Andy. Hello, Andy. Are you Andy? <laughs> <laughs> and Andy, Andy says, Hey, all. Uh, my name is Andy. I'm 22, and I live in sometimes sunny Cherry Valley, Illinois. Illinois. And I've got a rant I need to go on. And I apologize ahead of time because I know this is a heavily discussed topic already. I am following a group on Facebook called Wisconsin Motorcycle Riders, and somebody recently posted a photo asking, who threw the deuce for scooter riders? (laughs) You know where I'm going with this. I am truly disgusted with all the assholes who said... And I quote, people, a scooter is not a moped, is not a motorcycle. I'm sorry, but I just about got killed by a trucker doing 80 miles an hour, almost ran off the road. No scooter or moped will ever face that danger because they will never see the places we do. Sorry, but I respect everyone, but I'm not dropping respect for anyone that will never see what I do. Hey, how did they get a hold of my email? Thank you. (laughs) I have chills. (laughs) And he's just like, like, sorry, asshole, but last time. I checked semis drive on the same road scooters drive on and last I checked once you hit pavement you're accepting the same amount of risk as the next guy besides that should not be your criteria to meet in order to show respect for somebody anyway I did some Facebook stalking and I got to say all the assholes were on a mix of sport bikes and Harleys <laughs> and all of the people respecting anyone on the road were a mixture of all riders I guess the lesson here is in my opinion everyone deserves respect except slingshot 
shot drivers, you keep your hands inside, and it, <laughs> and it doesn't matter what what, cru- what you cr- ride, cruiser, sport, adventure, or whatever, you are just as likely to be an asshole as the next guy, so show some respect. And P.S., if Jim is still looking for a bike, I got an 83XL600R XL I'll sell for 1500 bucks. just needs gaskets, it's puking oil from a few spots. <laughs> wow. I, I, I can speak on behalf of Jim. No, thank you. Okay. But thank you for that email about waving. Yes, thank you. And, and I want to look up to that Wisconsin Riders group and, and tell them a few things troll them. Yeah. Today was a red-letter day, though. I got waved by two scooter riders. Right on. Hey. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Bagel, yeah. thank your people for it. Did, did, yeah. you, I did you to wave scooters. back, Henry? I did. I waved well to scooters done. unless right they're on. like wearing flip-flops and clearly like have a surfboard. Then yeah. I'm like... Mm-hmm. Well, you're just using that well, to get to the beach. Well, hey, if they have a surfboard, that's not a disqualifier by itself. The that's flip-flops cool. are. The flip-flops are an instant flip-flops. disqualifier. Yeah, I would I, not I, wave I, the flip-flops. flip-flops. I, yeah. Yeah. Never, I never wave at scooter riders, but I do redeem myself that I do wave at Camaro drivers. I don't oh, I don't wave at sport bikes wearing <laughs> flip-flops Camaro. either. Good. <laughs> All right. All right, Isaac, what do you got there? So, uh, this is titled KLX 650 Problems. God! Oh, so, uh, hello again, Misfits. Uh, this is from Tom right. in Wakefield, UK. Hello Tom? Again. Hello again, Misfits. Hi, Tom. I emailed about two weeks ago, uh, two weeks back, about my KLX650 cutting out after a 10-minute ride. Well, the weather dropped temperature, and it worked fine all week. Then one day when I went to work and weather was a lot warmer, it started cutting out straight away and couldn't start it. Mm. Tachometer bounces from 0 to 4K every time it starts It starts playing up. Ooh. Uh-huh. This sounds like an early... Back, back turns I... over but won't fire up. I have replaced the following. Coil, leads, spark plug. Drained half the tank out via the carb bowl drain plug. So no, I know the fuel. carb no. So I know the carb is getting fuel. Yes. It's a manual fuel tap on the tank. The radiators get warm after riding, so I guess they're circulating coolant. Is there a thermostat on these bikes that can force them to stop the spark if they get too hot? No. no. Also, I have a CV40 carb. Do there I turn is. the mixture screw I... in or out to lean Ooh. or richen? These are good questions. And if this is not set correctly, will this make it run hot? I have an idea about this because the tachom- I is it might be the CDI is the issue with your bike. I had a I have a, a Honda Transalp, which are notorious for uh, American Transalps are notorious for throwing out CDIs. Mm. Uh, my generation, and when one CDI start to go, the tachometer spins up and right. down like. It just spin, yeah, it spins up and down from like zero to five, and then when the pistons come out, that's how you know CDI is failing. That sounds like a CDI issue to me. So um, here's here's a couple of tests. First off, on the carburetor, the easiest way to tell with any carburetor with a mixture screw, if the screw to adjust the mixture is at the front of the carburetor basically towards the engine it's a volume screw Mm -hmm. and with a volume screw the further you turn it out the fatter it gets Mm -hmm. now if the screw is towards the back of the carburetor towards the air filter it is a mixture screw the further you turn it out the leaner you make it that is a vmx 40 did it's he a say KLX 650? No, what's the carb? VM 40? Uh, CV 40. It's a CV. That's got a volume screw on it. And if I remember right, it's underneath at the front. So the further it goes out, the fatter it gets. Mm-hmm. But you haven't got. 
you've got two things you need to check. It does sound like a CDI problem, but it could also be a crank trigger. Hmm. So there is a very specific um, resistance figure for the crank trigger on that bike, which I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm very sorry. What's a crank trigger? A crank trigger, crank it's a magnetic trigger. pickup that as the crank spins... There's a little pip on the crankshaft, mm -hmm. and when it spins past the trigger, the trigger picks up on that, sends a signal to the CDI box saying, mm. please make the coil fire now, yep. and then the CDI <laughs> box sends a, uh, a signal to the coil, makes it go fire. The crank trigger lives in a pretty hostile environment. There's a lot of vibration, especially on a single-cylinder bike. It's encased in hot oil. Mm -hmm. It leads a tough life. It's a very, very easy thing to check. Kawasaki give a very specific reading for that, which is measured in ohms. It's in resistance. There's two wires going to it. So you got to use a voltmeter. So you need to disconnect it. Ohm meter. Get your voltmeter, set it to ohms, make sure you're on the right scale, and measure that and if it's out of range you need a new crank trigger the bad news is it's probably part of the alternator Ugh. so yeah because mine yeah. did something similar it would it would die but if i cranked open the throttle it would fire on all cylinders again right and it would like go up to like 5,000 rpms but then it would die again and i'd have to crank it open that again. Mm. Like and then a, eventually it just died that sounds like a crank trigger problem yeah. so um this is different from a crank angle sensor or oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah that's right yeah. so if the if the crank trigger checks out and the ohm meeting meter reading is good check all the wiring to the cdi box and that's a, something as simple as checking the connectors and if that's bad you need a new cdi box mm -hmm. you you kind of you check everything mm -hmm. around the cdi because there's no real ch way of checking it so you mm -hmm. make sure that everything else is good we know the coil is good because he replaced it and it didn't do the problem we know the spark plug is good we know the lead's good so we can isolate all that side of it yeah so now we uh, check the crank trigger if that's good it points back to the CDI box. So this thing looks like a little square black box that's right next to like a star-shaped looking thing, right? Yep. You got it. Yeah. Yep. yep. And its sole function on a KLX650 is to tell, to send that signal up to the CDI box, which in turn sends a signal to the coil. Yeah. It's a very, very simple setup. But, again, it's fraught, fraught with danger. <laughs> so, yeah, good luck with that. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much. I we've we've gone about two hours now. Yeah, so we have, haven't we? You know, it's it's and um, you've all wasted a couple of hours listening to us. <laughs> yeah, um, all right. Um, I, I just wanted to thank Elizabeth again for coming here. Extraordinary um, woman. The fact that she made time in the middle of this tour to come and uh, spend the weekend here in Santa Cruz and hang out with us uh, was really great. Yeah, it's very cool. Well, I don't know what we need to. What's next? What's next, Emma? What do we try for next? Let's see if we can get Keanu Reeves on the show. <laughs> no, um, no, that would actually, no, Keanu Reeves is a okay. really, really cool person. We yeah, should. Um, you know, unfortunately, we, we have some history with Keanu. It's not good. But we have um, to patch that up. That's why we need but to, we need to yeah. patch that up. You, you know. Um, it's like John Wick Part 2. Or part three. I, I, was, I was at the Quail this year, and I know Mike did a report. 
But I've run into Kenny Roberts again. And oh, you know, yeah. I, I've still got my sights set on Kenny. He's moving away. He's moved away, though. Did he moved to Arizona, I think. Wait, we yeah. got an in with uh, Wayne Rainey. Yeah. We could kind of like... Yeah, I Finger mean, Wayne can get him way, back, yeah. but I'd like to talk to Kenny Roberts. Um, yeah. I would really like to get Wes Cooley here and talk about mm. superbike racing <laughs> from what I feel is the heyday of superbikes, yes, which please. is the late 70s. <clears throat> um, yes, please. And I think Wes would have an awful lot to say about that. And he likes those big Suzukis, so it makes him okay with me. Well, I think I think <laughs> the thing here is let's just keep setting our, our goals high because things like this happen. Because it's only right. downhill from here, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, no, uh, having Elspeth here in the studios, it, it, it really dope. is a highlight for me. Exactly. Yep. On that note, I think we're ready to wrap up. Um, next weekend, uh, some of us are going to be going up to Sacramento Mile for flat tracking. Uh huh. Yeah. What, are you, gonna, what are you guys taking off for that? Like Friday, Saturday. You're gonna spend a. You're gonna make a weekend out of it, right? At least two days. It's only what that three four hours away, right? It's about four yeah. hours. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. you're saying that you wanted. It. Well, whatever. We'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um. So yeah, look for us if you're at Sacramento Mile. I know uh, Nick and Jim and Bex and I will be there. Sweet. Um. I don't think I've talked to anyone else into coming yet, so that's enough. Um. And if you're at Overland Expo. Look for Elspeth. Tell her that you heard her here on our show. Tell her we sent you. I think she'll appreciate it. You're not going to get anything. Just It's just cool to say. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's cool to name drop. Yeah. Right. So just a reminder, go to MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com and you'll find the link to our YouTube page and our Zazzle page if you'd like to get your own Naked Gym or miss emma motosexual mug or yeah. t-shirt they're all there for shizzle my zazzle you can do it there <laughs> <laughs> oh my head don't come back and you'll find links to our <laughs> facebook page if you want to see pictures of what's been going on lately um yeah. but we've been we've been people have been dropping like flies in here not just elsbeth <laughs> but uh douglas cat and bex all bolted out some they, they some about well, this room they and couldn't us. hang no they that i believe they are going to be boiling themselves in a hot tub Oh. God damn it. Yes. That's, that, that's, I'd leave for that. Man, I could use that right now. Nice. <laughs> so on all? that note, I think we're ready to get out of here. Thank you again for listening, and especially thanks to our Patreon subscribers. Do you know the only people cooler than us? Polar bears. Polar no, bears? The Ice tea. The, the people who actually listen to us. Oh. <laughs> Because we're here because we have to you be. Got a little, they little, listen to us voluntarily. You so got a little make, brown on your nose there. They actually, they actually <laughs> want to listen to us. It's no, amazing. I was going to ask for more money. After, <laughs> two hours, after two hours, it's called Stockholm Syndrome. Right. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you Perfect. For, thank you for listening. This is Liza. Bagel. Emma Darling. Michael, not the bald, crazy one. <laughs> Henry. Champion. <laughs> Champion. <laughs> And this is Isaac. And we're out of here. Go, go.